You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love her. Brown skin, love her. Brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. What it do, world? It's your boy Greg EUV Culture Change JJ. It is the live episode one chapter episode that's gonna hit you right in the face after this next ten minute intro. <laughs> but I just wanted to say something real quick before I get on my soapbox and do my thing. It's always on this intro. Man, I'm almost in tears right now. It's been almost five years since we started this podcast. Almost five. And the amount of support, the love, the LinkedIn messages, the text messages, the Instagram, Facebook, man, y'all changed my life forever. Y'all really did. I mean, I had talent. We talent speaking. We were going to speak. We were going to do all that, man. But I never knew this podcast would have me speaking at the Harvard's. Going back to my alma mater, North Carolina AT, traveling the world, like the country rather. Actually, no, traveling the world, the Bahamas, um, Houston, Sacramento, Oakland, New York. You went on a whole tour. And some people take this for granted. It ain't on no brand tip. Like, y'all blew it up. Y'all blew me up in this space, man. Like, I can't act like that. this all me. This ain't, this ain't, this is my team that put me on. This is y'all that downloaded and shared and stayed true. Even y'all listen to all these, majority of y'all listen to all these podcasts. I've been going through it over the last couple years at times. Y'all stayed true. Y'all bought the book. Y'all invested to a certain degree. Y'all shared, y'all liked, y'all commented. Y'all kept me encouraged, man. I don't take that for granted. I just want to say this because I'm going to say some real things in the next couple minutes, all right? <laughs> but before I even get there, man, y'all changed my life, man. I love all y'all to a certain degree. I can't say I just love y'all unequivocally. I ain't going to take the bullet for all y'all. But um, I love y'all. Y'all really y'all changed everything for me, man. And I just that's the power of support. That's the power of love unconditionally. And you can do the same thing. This all started with $80 and a microphone, and we changed the world. The crazy thing about it is, though, you're listening to this podcast, your actions, your intent, what you do, what you think, what you eat, what you share, you're changing the world right now. So don't get lost in the future. When you listen to this episode, don't get lost in the future. You stay in the present. You stay locked in. You get every single nugget you can in the show and you implement rapidly. You implement rapidly. You implement rapidly. I'm not on this thing to just, I'm, we, we ain't doing this for play. We ain't doing this for the, like, okay, to get more likes, to get more shares. No, every single episode that we ever bring you and that we ever going to bring you is straight from the core, straight from the heart because you are a trailblazer. Not you ain't becoming a trailblazer. You ain't a trailblazer just because you come on the show or just because you listen. You've been a trailblazer. And you got to keep that same energy every single moment of your life knowing that you are a trailblazer and you're going to move like a trailblazer. You're going to talk like a trailblazer. You're going to listen like a trailblazer. You're going you're gonna to do what you need to do. 
And you've been doing what you need to do to a certain degree. And I need y'all to embody that this year. I know it's been a couple months since we've been on the mic. We're on the mic now, man. We're on the mic. And I need y'all to embody that spirit this year. I need y'all to live in that moment. I need y'all to own it. I don't care about the outcomes of this year. I care about the inputs. What's the inputs? Your effort. Your love. Bump your intentions. What are you going to do? I don't care about good intentions no more. We off that. That was 2018. Your intentions don't matter no more. No intentions don't matter no more. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. And if you're not, just say you're not. Period. And if you ain't keeping that energy, you probably don't need to listen to this podcast. This podcast probably ain't for you. That's all. We keeping that energy all 2019. So I need y'all to stay encouraged. I need to stay loved. And make sure if nobody else has told you they love you in a while, I love you. Because y'all blew me up. Y'all changed my life forever. I'm not going to be out here on IG and all these things acting like I'm some brand master. No, I can tell a couple stories. I'm an okay marketer. But without y'all, I'm nothing. We are nothing. Nothing. It doesn't make. I mean, to a certain degree. Like, I'm, I'm, a man, I'm a man of the cloth. Like, so without the podcast, we still be living and doing our thing. But y'all just add another flavor to it, man. So I just want to say that. But I'm about to talk about some other real stuff, man. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all. So before we jump in the 100th episode, y'all need to hear it again. I appreciate y'all. I don't take y'all for granted. I don't. I don't. The culture got enough people taking y'all for granted. They're taking y'all information, selling it, acting. Whoo! Let me, let me, let me calm down. Let me calm down. Y'all got it. All right, let's jump into this thing. Welcome back. <laughs> Minority Trouble as a Nation, man. This is your boy, Greg Eel, the culture change agent, man. Welcome to 2019. I know, like, yo, G, it's January 18th. What is it? January 17th right now. 18th, rather. And you talking about welcome to 2019. Yo, I've been gone for a minute. Now we back at the jump off. Yo, y'all listening to... Y'all going to be listening to the live 100th episode. This is a two and a half hour podcast with some of the six most dynamic people in the triangle sharing jewels, gems, and all that good stuff, man. Y'all y'all owe me for this. Like, like seriously, y'all owe me for this, man. This is some content I shouldn't even be giving out for free to keep it 100. But we're going to give it out anyways, man. I just want to let y'all know real quick, real quick, real quick, because I know many of y'all are like, yo, when you dropping the podcast, what's going on? We're going to be returning with season six. Of the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Is it season six? Hold up. Yeah, season six of the Minority Trailblazer podcast, I believe. <laughs> and we're going to be launching that March 14th. So the second Thursday in March. And you're know, like, yo, gee, why the two-month gap? You've already been gone like a month, month and a half. Why the two-month gap? Because guess what, yo? We are launching a podcast network. It's been in the mix for the last couple years, but now... We are off the ground, so we're going to have a podcast. I'm not going to be hosting. I'm in, in, introducing some new hosts for a mental health podcast, specifically for mental health, um, led by a licensed professional, as well as a podcast specifically focused on politics, so bringing it right to your kitchen. I'm excited. So we're going to be debuting three, two new shows in a new season of my Naughty Trailblazer podcast. I know for us, we dropping Thursday, March 14th. The political podcast may be actually going out on Tuesdays, and the mental health podcast probably on Mondays. So we're going to have a, a lineup for you. So every week, we bringing you content, man. Get pumped. Get excited. Yo, y'all don't understand how big this is, man. And um, on that note, uh, before we kind of jump right into episode uh, 100, because I know, like, yo, oh, it's a two-hour two, two episode. So how is it broken down? The first part is broken down when we talk about relationships, but not in the sense of, boy, girl, woman, woman, man, 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 all that, all those things. 
more so in relationships with people and how how you can leverage them, but also growing them, how you can delete them. It's really it's crazy. And then we talk about business, and it gets real in the business section. That's led by Desmond Scott, uh, CEO and founder of Prime Fitness, as well as uh, D McDougal, who is a beast out there at uh, Square Bank, uh, one of the v- VPs out there. Um, and also, my fact, my preacher, Orlando Thomas, as well as Venetia Crawford, the CEO, will be doing a relationships one. And then Holistic Wealth is led by the incredible Tiana Shanae. And my boy T. Crump, man. And it is that one. I'm telling you, that's at the end. People are crying in there. People are sharing a lot of good, uh, real, real stuff, man. So y'all get in for a treat. Um, I got a couple housekeeping things. One, if you have not, if you've been listening to this podcast for more than five episodes, you ain't bought my book. Shame on you. Go to greggehill.com backslash book or just go to greggehill.com product and buy the book. Purchase the book. Share the whole story. All that good stuff. And check out. Make sure you check out a new website. greggehill.com Man, we got a whole new layout. Man, it's phenomenal. Crazy, crazy new layout, man. I'm excited. And I am taking on some more speaking gigs this year. So if you want me to come to your corporation organization and select colleges, I said select colleges, Definitely look on the website, book me, book me, book me, all that good stuff. And then last, two more announcements. Um, One, 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 remember, remember, remember. Um, I will be actually debuting my next group of masterminds. Uh, First group was phenomenal. Shout out to uh, Evan Bernard. Shout out to Douglas Watson. Shout out to uh, Jessica Bassett. Shout out to uh, Lola Shout out to Danny. Shout out to Michael Benjamin, man. It's been phenomenal growth, and they all grown on their brands, and they actually read up for another six months. So if you need an accountability group, if you need coaching, if you're an aspiring podcast, aspiring author, or you are a current author, uh, speaker, uh, podcast, you need a group of like-minded individuals and myself actually coaching and guiding that group, join us, yo. Join us. Join us. Join us, man. We meet every other week. And when we're not meeting, they're having accountability calls with each other. And I'm bringing in a guest speaker every single month to talk specifically about business, about life. And it's, it's, it's next level. It is truly, truly next level, man. So y'all, everybody get excited, get excited, get excited. Uh, and go to gregehill.com backslash mastermind. gregehill.com backslash mastermind. The cost is... It is $200 per month to join the group. I guarantee you're going to make that back over the first month because the stuff that we dropping on that thing is game-changing. I'm only taking maximum six with probably around five people. So go ahead and if you are if you want to take it to that next level, go ahead and, and RSVP today and do an application. We want to make sure everybody's the right fit. We're not just, hey, put $200 and you in. I want to make sure everybody's the right fit and that I can add the most value to you. So go ahead, go to greggyhill.com backslash mastermind to fill out the application. And last and certainly not least, I, I do got to, I mean, I didn't want to say it, but y'all know I'm a real guy. And I ain't going to lie, y'all feel some type of way on certain degrees, man. At, at, at the 100th live episode, shout out to everybody that attended, man. We had over, what did we have? We had over 90, my bad. We sold out in one week, 230 tickets sold. Crazy, man. Crazy energy, crazy crazy just everything man i was so blessed to have everybody going doing their thing man but one thing at the end of the program we were able to raise a couple grand for the capital improvement fund which is going towards helping out the podcast network buying new equipment like this mic i'm using right now is great but we transitioning over the next couple months y'all you're going to see a whole new sound in 2013 from the minority trouble as a podcast man so shout out to Sydney, my 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 producer, 
Sidney Evans, man, go check him out. Uh, I got, I'm gonna have his website information at the end of the podcast, man. Go check him out. If you're a podcaster and you're an audiobook, anything you want to do, he's creating my mixtape, all that good stuff, man. Check him out. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and plug his information right nizzy. And you can find out, find his website information. You can go to SydneyEvansAudio.com. That is Sydney. EvansAudio.com. So if you're working on a podcast, um, audiobook, um, your motivational speaker trying to make a mixtape, all that good stuff, man, go to SydneyEvansAudio.com, man. He is the guy to go to. But I was like, yo, and I had people that never listened to a podcast before that came to an event with life changing, and yo, we raised a couple grand in a couple minutes. But I'm gonna be real, when I put out the Capital Improvement Fund link um, to, to, to the audience, I had people that been listening to my podcast for 10. Um, 20 episodes, 30, 40, 50 episodes, sometimes a couple years. It's been since the ground up. And I'm looking like, yo, we got people that just experienced it and they donated 10, 25. I'm not even big on big donations, right? Because I mean, we're going to get the equipment anyways. However, I'm like, yo, we've been sowing seeds for a long time. And we got people that they've been taking a lot of stuff. But y'all put the capital improvement in for my podcast base. It was crickets. I'm going to be real. It was crickets. Um, and it kind of shocked me a little bit. I can't even front. I can't even front. It was crickets. I was like, wow. And we live a bit, and, and the people we we, we came into contact over the last couple of years, they blessed us, and we're halfway to our goal of five grand, and we're going to get our goal um, and everything else I'll cover on the back end, man. I was a little bit disappointed, man. I was disappointed. I was like, yo, people been getting information for a while, sending me text messages, LinkedIn posts. Yo, we love your show. It's inspiring. Let's do it every morning. And I'm like, yo, it's not correlating, right? And the thing is, I'm not even on, I need big amounts from people, right? But what you do with a little, you do with a lot. And it's about sowing seeds. And that's what I'm doing all 2018, no, 2019, rather, and the rest of my life. I'm always sowing seeds. When I gave little, I got little. When I gave a lot, I got a lot, man. So it's a challenge to me, and it's also a challenge to you. If you've been listening to this podcast for more than a couple episodes and you've got any value, Replicate that value because this is not going to me. This is not sowing the seed to my pockets. I get paid for speaking, masterminds, all this other stuff. I do a lot of stuff. However, this is going to the next generation that needs the best audio content, that wants more video content, that wants other things that I'm trying to provide. But I'm like, yo, let's 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 pay it forward. Let's pay it forward, man. So if you want to invest and sow a seed, go to gregehill.com backslash CI fund. Or it's just Capital Improvement. It's on my website. So Capital Improvement. Go there. Or you can cash at the boy Greg E. Hill. Put your name in there. Show the boy love. Uh, dollar sign Greg E. Hill. PayPal me. Culture Change United at Gmail. But um, I prefer either. I prefer you just go to the website. Because you can see what we're about. What it's going to. So GregEHill.com backslash CI fund. Or if you real. Just uh, just throw the cash at. Uh, dollar sign Greg E. Hill. Alright. That's all I'm going to say on that for right now. Um, yo, 100th episode is crazy. Y'all enjoy the show. Because literally, 
While we're here today, right, I need y'all to do one thing. The biggest thing I need y'all to do, y'all gotta take away one thing. And here's the catch though. If you don't take away one thing, you gotta give one thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, so don't, don't leave and be like, oh man, I went there, they saw it like that, they get this one already. Oh, it's a free event, first of all, right? <laughs> but secondly, you need to leave it. If you didn't get nothing, you need to be giving somebody something. Yeah, yeah. Because what I'm about to share with y'all today, whether guests have about to share, it's going to blow your mind. But I'm telling you, you got to open up. You have to have the willing spirit. You got to be looking for that one thing you're going to get that's going to change your life. Because guess what? Y'all are here right now. Let's listen no applause right now. There's people right here that we know, family members, we know they're not seeing 2019. They ain't seeing 2019, they ain't never coming back. We got people right now that are dealing with stuff, they got family members, and Coma's family members ain't gonna see today. So when we here right now, when we before we leave, we gotta make sure we soak up every single second, and we gonna take a take or give at least one thing because, yo, everybody ain't gonna be here. People we know, and that's, I just want to say that before we start to get energy right. I know y'all, yo, yo, he's getting deep. Well, shoot, that's my podcast. We deep with it. <laughs> but I'm serious now because I know there's some people in here that's dealing with some stuff. When they leave, they're going to be like, yo, dang, this was cool. But dang, my uncle ain't going to make it. Or my grandma this, or something like that. So I need y'all, while y'all here, y'all need to leave that, leave that somewhere else. Y'all need to be present in this space. And I want to say a few things to this. The reason why this event is so big and why I'm so excited it's because, let's take it back, let's take it back. 2017, around this time, about two days before, me, Daryl, my homegirl, Joanna Smith, we live, shout out Joanna Smith, uh, we was in the Bahamas, right? And D can tell my energy was just all in the Bahamas a little bit. I was excited, and this is like one of the biggest speaking gigs in my life. Like, I went to the Bahamas, I got a whole brand, and we only ended up really doing like 15 minutes of stuff, it was crazy. So on the outside of the speaker, you're like, yo, this is it. This is it. You going to the Bahamas, you getting paid like big bread, right? And I was like, yo, what in the world? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I had no aim. I had a conference that I was working on, and things in my spirit, I knew that, gee, you've been on this road before. People didn't know me from the back. You've been on this road before with Join Me Entertainment. Putting a lot on your shoulders, trying to do it. Gee, you know you're not ready to put on a conference. You're not ready to do that right now. But I was like, yo. As an entrepreneur, as a hustler, first and foremost, that's what people that really know me know me. Like, hey, Dave, my boy Mike, I knew Dick Kier, Tia, we was getting out with the little gateway boys, right? So back in the day, I was like, yo, we just gonna put money on, we're gonna make it work. But everything don't work like that. So I end up, I came back, and I had to cancel my conference, doing some light stuff and everything, and I was like, yo, this is, this is the biggest thing. I work with Aisha, the DPC. Durham convention center, I was like, yo, we really gonna do it. Like, we booked out the convention, we put, put the deposit out, put three grand out, we really gonna do it. And then we, we it's all gone. And then I took it so personal, I was like, yo, I closed up, I was like, I could not deliver. I had all this up in my own head, and I shut off for like four months. Four months, because the crazy thing about it, I'm so excited to bring it up a little bit, is because we sold out this event, and if y'all look on Instagram, only, I, the last year I only made two Instagram posts. Outside of LinkedIn, like I don't, the people, I don't, I'm not out here, I'm not trying to get followers or anything like that. But when you really delve deep in relationships, and we're gonna get in there, if you delve deep in who you are and give to people, it don't matter what you do for the most part. There's some caveats, because I don't like speaking all up, there's, there's some other stuff. But people are gonna show up and show out and support you, so clap it up for that. And also, the reason why I get excited too is because, yo, on the call, we really almost had a million downloads, right? And catch this, four years ago, we just started off with an $80 mic, a computer,
And we said, yo, we just gonna do it. We had no name, no buzz. We said, we just gonna do it. So that's to get some of y'all excitement. I'm gonna throw more dirt on this, right? This whole year, this last four months has been the most transformative months of my life. Like, for real. Like, I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna keep it 100. We about to probably, what we did last year financially, we're gonna times 15 it, right? We did all this. And with the support of everybody, we're gonna get to that really because I, I love it. The reason why I love why I speak like this because I'm a realist. I, 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 there's people in this audience that I'm gonna point out that they show so much favor, so much love, and that in order to, to get to this point. But we did all this, and I'm a 29 year old man, right? This whole time, this last year and a half, I ain't had no car. A hundred. We ain't had no car. We have people in this audience gonna be here. They gave me rides almost every single day. Never asked for me, never complained. They believe in me. They believe in me. And I didn't say, oh, I don't have a car right now. Well, I'm just gonna just not post on Instagram. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be low to the streets. We just gotta work. And people believed in me. And when I was down, they was how they just gave me energy. They gave me energy, they kept believing, kept believing. And still to this day, like Deontay Wilder said, to this day. To this day, seriously, seriously, seriously. I say this humbly. But in this game right here, going forward, ain't nobody here with it. Seriously, I say that, I'm gonna see it in the mic right here. There's nobody here with it. I say that humbly because guess what? I realized my resources are all in this building. I wanna say something real quick and then we just gonna get on the show. Like, Janice, April, my sister reached out to her last night and was like, yo, um, Brandy the DJ, she jumped on and said, I got it. Terry was gonna be there and said, yo, I need some sound, I got it. Mike, I, I called him 20, he got a full-time job. And that's gonna be, that's gonna be my marketing manager for all my other Trailblazer stuff, Sid and Coley, my other Trailblazer Nation um, podcast, we'll get to that in a second. But I called Mike 15 minutes before 10 a.m. To, to redesign my logo so we can get on the banner. He did it, boom, did it. And then uh, he came back there, all resources in-house. I called him and said, need a banner. He got a shit next day. What else, what else, what else? There's so much stuff that people in this room this year took everything to the next level. Because that's the gap between this version of me and 2018. 2018, 2017-ish, I was like, yo, I need to, we need to beef up the brand. We need to connect with people. We need to do all this other stuff. And I realized, no, we don't need to do none of that to be real. The people are already in. The people are already in the world. I hear all the time people say, nobody support what I'm doing. Then if you ask people, really, not ask people support. Have you sat down and talked to me, how can they support you? Like, how can it? Because sometimes we think it's important just money, but there's people with so much talent, resources, connection, we don't even look out and be like, well, what can we do? And the first thing we say is like, yo, why ain't nobody helping us back? And we put all these Facebook statuses up, new entrepreneurs, black people support black people. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And that's why I'm glad, because the people that's here, black people support them. Like, I'm so proud of Dez. Like, I remember, I said this in Charlotte, Dez, four, five years ago, I got the video. We was in like a box inside that. All hot, working, just him. And then now, this is on his like second or third facility. Third facility, paid it in cash, and got the city rocking on the Lizzo. And I'm, I'm so excited here, but there's one thing I want to tell y'all, one thing I want to tell y'all before we jump in this thing, I just use my guess. And I did spell that wrong. And I'm gonna be real, I, I just practice on execution. I don't care about perfection. I'm gonna be real, I don't care about perfection. Cause I was like, Jay was like, yo, we'll change it. I was like, what's more change? Cause we got some deep people in here. And I know if I didn't address it, I would be like, <laughs> like but, it, but it is what it is because, I'm gonna be honest, and this is live, but hopefully they ain't watching. But yo, we just signed a deal. Our first five figure deal to do one event, Minority Trailblazer Live, um, on a college campus. And yo, nothing was perfect. Websites weren't perfect. Life weren't perfect. Life was happening. 
And we didn't, we didn't use that as an excuse. We didn't use that not to go hard. We didn't use that as a thing like, okay, no, 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 we kept going. And I say all that to say, the mission is too great. That's it, that's, that's the name. If y'all leave anywhere, if y'all leave this thing, I'm like, I don't know what it is. Somebody asks, what you giving that? The mission is too great. So right now, before we begin, before I introduce our first guest, we talk about relationships, our first guest. Before I, I need y'all to, I need y'all to say, the mission is too great. And when I say that, I'm talking about, and I said it this morning, and uh, Justin was here with me. We running a mile. I'm running like, because y'all know I'm a runner. I'm running. I'm running. I'm at my 7.30 pace, and I'm telling y'all, and I just fell quickly. And did I, what did you have? What did you have? Did we stop? No. This is a broken mile. Stop. 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 Hey, y'all let me hang, boy. And some of y'all get in the face like, When anything right now, as you leave this room, there's gonna be some stuff that you can be like, yo, this is, they said a lot of stuff, but I'm not ready to do that just yet. They said, they were talking about changing your mindset, they were talking about business principles, I'm not ready to do that yet. You know, you gotta say the mission is too great. Because the reason why we the reason why we say that a lot is somebody had to call me out this year. Four months in, before my mindset changed, before my life changed this year, I was down and out. They looked me in my eyes and I said, yo, I'm down and out. I thought it was gonna say something like, to keep me up, he said, great, you don't want to do that ever in my life. The people that, the, the, first of all, the vision and value that God has given you to enable everybody in your life, you cut that off. You, you, that could have been somebody else's blessing. But you cut that off because your ego was in a point where you couldn't ask for help. You wasn't, you wasn't knowing that if you was on you, when you on you, lose, because it's not you. And your gift right now, that's what I'm telling y'all right now, your gift, everybody in here is a genius and has a genius level gift. When Daryl asked, okay, what did you dominate this year? Y'all should have been like, I dominated something. Because y'all did, every single person. I don't care if it's your worship financially, I don't care if you got a divorce, some, everybody in here dominated something because they're still here. So let's keep that same energy. Let's keep that energy because I'm, I gotta be right here. I love Michelle Obama. I love Michelle Obama. But a lot of y'all here don't know Michelle Obama. And y'all ride with them so, so much. We ride with them, ride with them. We got friendlies. I had my dad on home. My dad wouldn't need my friend on Facebook. But there's people I support, the people I get a chance, it's a chance, it's a chance. And there's people in my life that do one mistake and we cut them off. We just leave them. And not to say everybody needs grace, because that's a whole other kind. I'm not saying that because we go to a whole different place. A lot of stuff happens in the media. So don't, don't quote me on that. I'm not saying that grace is But what I am saying, what I am saying, it's the people that we really call friends, and that's why I'm, I'm glad we're talking about relationships in the second piece. Because relationships is not on no how to get a man, how to get, we ain't on that. I don't got that type of gear, people just, we're not on that. <laughs> but the relationship piece is so important, and I say that 110%. The relationship piece is so, so, so important. Because every single goal that we have, even those that are successful right now, because a lot of times people come to these things, they're like, I'm already successful right now, so I'm just here to give advice, talk, and stuff like that, and everybody gonna ask me questions. No, 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 everybody here is gonna get something from this. But the relationships we have right now, we treat them. We treat them the right way. We treat them the right way, regardless of what's going on. In five years, I met a, a J about four or five years ago, all 2014, all black high school, I wanted to go talk. He the only guy who reached out. And we still talk to this day, right? And there's so many people in this room, I can't shout everybody out when we go crazy. My student, Josh Sear, got the minority truck like a hoodie on to this day, show up and show out. And his sister, and I taught our sister too. And you're doing your thing too. I, everybody get love. But I'm serious, right? Relationships are so key. So before, without further ado, the first person I want to introduce 
I want to introduce uh, my pastor. I'll tell you, when I say my pastor, don't, don't, get, it, don't get it twisted. He ain't going to get in the mic and start saying, hey, well, everybody turn to John 13, 33. Now, I ain't made that type of deal. I didn't, I didn't bring y'all here like that because I already see some of y'all come to grab you first. Like, we ain't on that, right? <laughs> but the reason why I respect him so much because I'm going to be honest, a lot of people in this religious space, because this is a real question we be asking people in religious space nowadays, right? We ask you a lot of information and stuff like that. He never shies away from having those conversations, even when he doesn't know the answer. He never stays away from that, but most importantly, I always lean to him as a man level as far as relationships because I looked at the panel uh, when people had speaking, I realized like before, outside of Benny Bernice, uh, nobody was, uh, nobody had like multiple kids, and I said, dang, I'm, I'm getting kind of old. I didn't make sure that people that uh, that, I, that I interview reflect what's really going on. People really have kids. People really are married. People really are judging a lot of stuff. So I can't just have people that need to drop everything and start a job. No, because that's not what the minority trouble is about. I'm gonna be honest. If y'all thought we were gonna come here and just give y'all straight fix, how to blow up your business, we don't really got that gear. Because the biggest thing as we as we transition. Oh, uh, matter of fact, he gonna address and share a story. So clap it up for him. Clap it up for him. <laughs> Conversational, but then the other half, there's going to be some questions that I ask or they ask. This audience is going to get involved in it. So, um, and the audience is not going to ask questions. If you want to jump in and say something, you can. But I just caution you, please, please, I promise, please don't get on the mic and start going left, because I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to have to cut it. All right, all right, please. I've been to so many. Well, and it just get real left right here. So let's clap it up. Get the energy high. Get the energy high. Get All right, so my name is Renisha Crawford. I'm from Gaston, North Carolina, born and raised. How much do you want to know? Just, just, a, just a, a minute full. Minute full, okay. So um, I have my master's degree in leadership, and I currently operate three businesses. 
The first is a for-profit company where I help organizations serve the needs that they serve. Uh, next month, they're impacts, so I work with a lot of police departments. Getting kids who are first-time offenders, I get their charges dropped and expunged after they go through my training program. My second uh, organization is my nonprofit, which is called the Minnesota National Pageant. And this is a summer program for young ladies in high school and in college. And I take them through 12 weeks of workshops. At the end, they compete for $2,500, uh, a scholarship for college. Uh, but the way they compete, they have to compete wearing no makeup, no weed, no body shapers, no fake nails, nothing. Like, as you see me today, that's how they show up to compete. The third is my coaching business. <laughs> I'm a certified life coach. And I just launched this whole platform where um, I'm beginning to help coach people through failure because I've failed a million times in my little short life. And so I think that we focus too much on the successes and not the failures that it took to get to the success that we had. Um, before you pass that mic, you know this is how I do on my the, on my shows. What was your what was your what was your biggest failure that you care to share from last year, 2018? You already know that's what I do. Well, that's my big here. My biggest failure was failure in relationships. Um, I didn't spend enough time trying to establish new ones, and I also didn't try to strengthen the ones that I had. And we're gonna talk in deep on my practices on my how to strengthen because. <laughs> yeah. right. um, my, my name is Thomas. Uh, once again, as uh, Grace said, I am uh, assistant pastor at Southside Church of Christ uh, here in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, I, you know, I got to do my amen. But um, also, I am uh, married uh, to uh, beautiful Brittany Thomas. So my queen is here too. She's back to stand up. Catholic girl from Los Angeles, and uh, we have three beautiful children. Amen. I'm real Andrew Brightly. I'm also a uh, full time student at Duke Divinity School, where I'm currently in my uh, third year working on my Master's of Divinity. I'm also a Florida Master's of uh, MBA and also a Master's of Arts in Ministerial uh, Leadership. And so, just trying to do some, some good stuff, trying to make the church relevant again. And uh, do it in a very relevant way. So uh, I'm just excited to be a part of this project. Let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. What does what does the word relationship mean to you? The word relationship, what it means to me is um, a mutual agreement between two or more parties. Um, but if I want to get deep, uh, it's also a mutual agreement between the self that everybody else sees and the self that only you know. And I'm gonna leave it there for like people. No, it's like that. Um, with the with the latter. Okay. okay. So a, a lot of times when we talk about relationships, it's always external. We never sit and talk about the relationships that we have with ourselves. Um, and everything starts there. You know, I can't build a relationship with Greg if I haven't built a relationship with myself. I can expect Greg to do something for me if I won't do it for myself. I Right to understand me if I'm not able to understand myself. So I think when it comes to relationships, the very first thing I think about is the inner personal development and the process that it takes to really feel whole on the inside. Because if I can have a great, strong relationship within myself, I'll be a great, uh, I will only be able to establish strong relationships with other people. 
And I'll just pick you back on that, amen. I think we'll do it that way. <laughs> you probably an expert, I'm just going to come on back in. But, uh, and as you said, I think relationship is with connection, right? So in a relationship, in positive, there's some type of connection. Uh, however, I would even push it to say that I think that not all relationships are mutually beneficial. Uh, there are some relationships that are healthy relationships that are mutually beneficial, uh, where they're symbiotic in a sense, where there's a, there's a mutual benefit, a mutual benefit where there's not only a giving, but there's also a receiving. Uh, and then also, I think uh, there's also unhealthy relationships that are really parasitic, right? Where you got people who always pull away, always want what you give, and not necessarily what you got to offer as well. So I think. I think that it is dealing with that connection, and it's, and it's mutually beneficial in a healthy context, but it can very well be also unhealthy, because all of us know we've had unhealthy relationships that we still remain connected to, even when the person in the relationship has already left it. And so that's the idea of this. And to stay in that pocket real quick, uh, one, y'all can figure out which one y'all can hit a book on the head. Uh, what is the cyclical strategy that you use to work with relationships that you know are unhealthy, because I mean, this is a two-way street with that. Then also, too, what strategy you use to cultivate and continue to grow relationships that are healthy? Because one thing we think that we're cool with somebody, the relationship is good, but then if we're not intentionally growing it, it's like even with my parents. And I talk to uh, my, my brother Dave all the time, and I always, um, I love how he's connected and growing with his mother. We're on my God, all yeah, 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 subscribe. And, I realized now approaching 30 years old, even at 29, when I was 20 years old, my relationship with my mom at 18, I just kept it. I never intentionally grew that. So now at 29, I'm still now working towards how can I, what, what is my relationship now when I'm older? And I think that's one thing that people that can come and talk about all the time, but I have to be intentional about that. Because now there's conversations that I want to have, I don't have, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know why my relationship not like that. It's because I have to intentionally put some time in and actually grow that, but I think we good. And your boy, you think, oh, we good. But people have grown, people have changed. And when we good anymore, when you're 21, ain't the same we good when you're 29. So I want y'all to talk about, and y'all can either piggyback or however y'all to do it, what do we do with those, or what do you do, rather, relationships that you know are cancerous, but also, too, how you want to continue to grow relationships that, are, that you feel are mutually beneficial. Bernice said something earlier when she talked about this idea of, of dealing with yourself first. And I think before you can grow and cultivate a healthy relationship, as you said, and I'm kind of just stealing it from you, right? But okay. I think you really have to uh, work on yourself, right? It comes first. How, how can you uh, be uh, in a good, how, how can you have a good connection with someone else if, first of all, you don't have a good connection with who you are, right? So I think that you have to have a healthy view of yourself, right? You gotta deal with yourself personally before you can really get a benefit to somebody else or even a benefit to somebody else, right? And so I think that's where I would start. It's about being intentional, right? Uh, it's about seeing yourself, uh, not so much defining who you are through how other people see you. You know, and I think that's, that's really key. There's a scripture I like. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it, it's the story of this, uh, this woman who is 
who has a disabling spirit, Luther. Is that all right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and she is in a position where she's bent over for 18 years. Jesus comes along, he says, I see you. And then he tells her, you will be made well. You, 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 you're going to be with us, right? And at that moment, she doesn't start walking in that uprightness, right? He's already set her free. He didn't touch her. He didn't have to be anything. He just said, hey, you're set free. And it's because, number one, he sees her. And I think sometimes we put a, a lot of value in who we are based upon how other people view us. But at half time, other folks just sometimes may not see you because you may not be carrying or putting out what they want, right? That's number one. Number two, I think when he says, you know, you're, you're set free, she still walks over bed, right? And then eventually, uh, she, she doesn't stand straight up. And I think that's really interesting to me because I think for me, sometimes, even when we've already been set free, we're still looking for the validation from other people before we can walk in our level of freedom. And I think that sometimes you need to understand, when you've been set free, you need to walk in it, regardless of what the world of people around you do. And I think that that's helpful, right, to deal with the self first before you can actually be a bit of somebody else. And before you pass the mic, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're going to talk to me about this. But specifically, as you preach. And as a preacher, it's really, how do you deal with eternally self-improvement? Because ideally, you see a congregation, you're supposed to be perfect. And people hold you to a perfect standard, but how do you work on yourself um, and still profess this to anybody else? As all my leaders in here, you lead people, but we all have flaws. And sometimes you have to think, okay, how can, and sometimes I used to battle my head, like, how can I lead somebody, I'm more than a speaker, but I got big flaws. So how do I still provide that same face, but not be fake, though? I can't do that. So that's why I used to withdraw, because I'm like, if I'm, not, if I'm not leading by my example, people don't even see me out here. I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm on a vacation, but I realized I just did some bad business. I did most of I can't do that. But you can do the worst thing ever, but every single Sunday, you still got to go on that thing. And as leaders, we got to make sure, even though we, we, we still work for growth um, in our own lives, we still got to show up. We can't retreat. Because I know I personally retreat a lot, and I'm working on that. But as we go into 20, 2019, I want to make sure everybody in, because everybody in the trouble is going to have right. When they're, when they're not level, when they're not held to their own standard, how can they continue to push and show a brave face? Yeah, well, I think that's a myth. I think it's a myth that you got to be perfect. Nobody right? And so I, I try not to even create that. I, matter of fact, I try to create the opposite. And so I lead with this idea of, hey, y'all ain't perfect. Matter of fact, and, and I'm glad because you're not perfect either. And, and that's, so that's number one. Uh, number two, I think that you that we learn even in life that none of your success comes without a limp. You know, I mean, you don't get to be on the top of the world and not have scars and scratches, right? You, know, you don't have, I mean, you have moments. Like, so I think that there's more power in my limp than it is in my ability to be perfect or to sell to the people that I'm perfect. You know, because there's somebody else who's limping too. And they need to know that you can still do this even though you've got these other issues that you do. And so I, I think you got to be honest, you know, and be, uh, be honest uh, with who you really are and create that atmosphere. Create that atmosphere. So you're now, you talked about, you talked about dealing with maybe bad, bad relationships, but now it's how you can cultivate the good relationships. I know you said you lacked an area last year, but this year, what's your mindset on the friendship that you had? But also, too, what about the friends that you're around you? They're not necessarily taken away, but what do you do with people? They're not taken away, but they're not at it. 
Well, I'm going to start with the, the second part, portion that Debbie goes to that. I think it's 100% extremely important for you to understand what makes a relationship unhealthy to you. Okay, because that word unhealthy and healthy, it can be different things for different people. So you need to understand what makes a relationship unhealthy. Because once you can identify an unhealthy relationship, you'll know when you're in one. Or you know when you, when you have one. And the only way that you'll know what that is is if you spend the time to have these conversations with yourself and self-reflect. I'm a huge, huge advocate of self-reflection. Asking yourself these questions, not necessarily having a conversation with someone else, because when we have conversations with other people, uh, what we don't realize is happening is that their wisdom or their opinions is somewhat slowly being imparted on ours and we're slightly changing how we actually really feel. So you need to have these conversations with yourself, no one else. Spend that time. And if you don't, if you can't or refuse or won't spend that time with yourself, why would anybody else want to do it? So that's first and foremost. Establish what uh, makes a unhealthy relationship to you. And when it comes to um, expanding on the relationship, relationships that you do have, I think the, what's really important is, one, what's the value? Okay, what, what do you value in the relationships that you do consider healthy? And whatever it is that you value, maximize that, grow that. So for me, I love knowledge. You know, if you send me an article, if you send me some encouragement, I'm a very cool text, um, <laughs> if you do these books, I'm sorry. I'm just a word. Don't go to the real side. It means you do. Okay, anyway, but so, but if you send me like an article, a video, a book, or something, that is of value to me. We are going to have a healthy relationship because you're feeding what it is that I, I, I need in a relationship. But it's my job to understand what's healthy for you so that way I can feed that as well. This goes for romantic, personal, spiritual, whatever. So the words healthy and unhealthy, you gotta establish what those are. And once you know and you identify what those things are, that will help you uh, determine how to grow those relationships. Yeah, those are perfect answers. And I wanna say one thing. If y'all, everybody in here, if you can think in your head, the top five friends in your life, right? Top five friends. Think about what their value is. Not in your life. Don't, 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 don't go about what their value is in your life. What their value is in general. Like what are their strengths? And I think if I was to do a survey, I realized a lot of us, the people we have close to our circle, we, and I want to ask this question, I think we have our definition of what friends is all wrong. Our friends is, okay, he's a cool cat, we can ride together, we can go to the club, or we can chill and talk. But it's like, you don't even know what they're good at. Like, so long, since they've been my boy for almost since, since high school, right? And we've had just a general friendship, and I've been sitting my boy. But it was three years ago when, I, when we had a talk and discussion, and I realized this is a genius in audio production. And now, I say, I want to hear out with Sid all the time and be having my circle, and that's why I brought Sid over to the team, because Sid, he developed my first big state, he finished my first album, which is coming out in March, like a dope album, he did all that. But I had to ask myself, in my circle, what is his skill set? And we had that conversation. And it would shock y'all if I have gave everybody the mic. If you had to, oh, what's your five friends? You had to identify what their strength is. How many of y'all be like, well, shoot. And it's not, it's not indicting because I just realized the last couple of years. But I challenge for those that do have five friends in their life, the closest to them, to have, just talk to them and say, what are they really good at? Like, not, not what you think they're good at. Because what you think, it may be totally different. And then that's why we have angst around all oh, my friends, they don't, they don't really need to do it so much. No. Because I know a lot of speakers say you are the five people around you. And I believe that to a certain extent. 
But a lot of times, the five people around us, we never have any conversation with what they're good at. Because the only problematic thing that say that you are the five things around you, what I see is that, that you're telling people they're not enough. And the problem with that is you're pushing them somewhere else, but you don't know. They maybe have some skill sets. You never have had a discussion with them, and they can really be the resources you need. But you need to even ask those questions. But the second thing I want to do, this specific to your situations right now, is how do you continue to grow your? How do you continue to grow relationships? Being now that you have three children and a wife and a congregation, so there's a lot of layers to all those relationships. So for my people in here that have a business, maybe relationship with their employees, have a significant other, um, how to grow that relationship, but then also too, they have customers, they have as well. Like Sierra, she has customers, she would have this little right over there, she's a, she's a beast in what she does, she has a significant other, so she has to develop, develop that relationship, has to develop a relationship with herself, then has to develop a relationship with her clients, and she has a, a whole side business, but also works. That's a lot of layers right now. So how do y'all balance you? As a husband, but also you as a single mother, how do you balance all those, not balance rather, how do you attack all those things? So that balancing is just a weird thing, right? So I'm going to let you lead off and then you hit on it. And be specific to your situation. Okay. Uh, I just want to add one thing to that, sure. that statement of you are five people around you. When people hear that statement, they automatically think about their friends. When you really need to think about the five people that you're spending the most time with, it is not my friends. You know, for people who are not entrepreneurs, it's probably your co-workers. So it's the five people that you spend the most time with. That's who you are going to more than likely be like. Not necessarily your top five friends. Because all of us spend more time talking to your co-workers and all of that stuff more than we do our friends. So that's something that you have to analyze instead of, because like you said, it could come off as, you know, I'm bad, like your friends are, oh, can I curse? Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. partner 
or you know my family. The, when I feel like I can't give anymore, that's when I when I stop. And what I learned from that was I was just talking about this in the car. <laughs> that it's really important for you to fill yourself up so much to the point that you're overflowing. Because a lot of times we give what we don't have. And in relationships, we are giving, 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 giving. Come on, we're we are empty. You look around, everybody else full if you're not. So you don't give until you are full, okay? And I know people, that's not a popular thing at all, but for me, I'm a mother now, I have multiple businesses, and my businesses are is, is in the spirit and, uh, of giving. I'm serving, so I'm constantly giving my time, my talent, my treasure, my energy, everything is giving. I'm changing people's lives. Well, I have to stop that. I have to stop it and, and make sure that I'm full. And when I'm overflowing, everything that's extra, then I can give that. And, then, and the, the most important part is, I mean, I know in church we learn how to get my points back. <laughs> in church we learn how it's important to give when you give your seed. You know, but you shouldn't give to receive. Yeah. You, when you give, you will receive. It's just going to happen. So the intent behind giving is also really important. But again, what I would encourage everybody to do, and for me to, to help me manage all of these relationships that I have to build and focus on, I have to make sure that I actually have something to give to these relationships. And, you know, I'm in a space where I'm allowed for receiving. I'm allowing people to give to me to help fill me up. You know, I'm focusing on myself, self-reflecting, I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm meditating, doing all of those things. And I can only imagine that, you know, I've operated in a place where of a scarcity. You know, I really didn't have a lot to give in the past couple of years. But as much as I have done and accomplished and achieved at a scarcity level, I can only imagine the impact that I'm gonna have when I'm overflowing. Before I was going, I want to give a fast track of our prediction. Um, how old were you? Because every morning, your parents had you recite Bible scriptures every single morning, you and all your siblings, right? Yeah. How, how, how many years did that happen? 18. 18 years of her life, her parents woke her up, and had, and how many, how long, how long was Bible study? We had Bible study in the morning. Uh, we had Bible study in the morning at 5 a.m., so it's 5 o'clock prayer. My dad would read scriptures. He had them all over the walls. We had to recite them. And then when we, when we got home from work at 6 o'clock, we had 6 o'clock Bible study. And we would pray again at Bible study. Then he would leave to go to work because he used to work two jobs. Because there's 10 of us. It's five boys, five girls. And when he left, my mama came back and had Bible study again. Sometimes in the opposite that daddy said. But that's okay. <laughs> but we uh, had Bible study again. So that was my life. It was nothing but... But, you know, religion and Christianity and scriptures and prayer and all of that stuff. And, you know, for 18 years of my life, I felt very full. <laughs> you know, and that's probably why I'm able to give now. But now it's, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have that routine anymore. You know, that was like morning and night, even every day. I'm not even going to take you to the week, the week schedule. <laughs> don't, don't make me go here. Don't make me go here. Okay. Um, but as much as, uh, as much as that the information is, what they imparted in me, that filled me up. So when I was able to be free, 18, leaving the nest, I did have a lot of things to get because all my life, that's what my parents just so seasoned me, so seasoned me, you know? And unfortunately, in a short amount of time, I gave it all away, you know? So when it comes to relationships, I got, you got it, especially in this age of 29, 
you know, um, it's important to, again, be self-aware, have that check-in with yourself. Where, where am I right now? Because it doesn't really matter what happened before. You know, it's important to understand where you've been, but you also need to assess where you are right now, where you want to go. And in order to do that with relationships with me personally, I have to fill myself up, like I said, to the point that I'm up for. Give me that question one more time. <laughs> so, in, in the context of a leader of your congregation, a husband, a father of three, and just this your interpersonal, you also go to school, you get your master's degree, then eventually a doctorate, and, and, and studies. How do you conceive, how do you plan on maximizing each of those relationships? Like, what do you have a strategy? How do you even tackle that? Because that's a lot. So, I think. Um, one is communication, right? So uh, I'm not doing anything that me and my wife haven't already agreed that that's what I should do, right? So we're, we're, the, we're there together. Uh, and so that, I think that's number one. Uh, in communication, though, however, we got to spend a lot of time, spend a lot of time listening. And it's good to be married to somebody who hasn't bought into all the hype that sometimes people can put in your head, you know? Especially when you got to church and you go to school and people are always saying certain things about you, gassing you up. You know, well, when I come home, my wife, she, you know, she, she makes sure that I stay on the ground. And that's, <laughs> that's really good, you know, and uh, because in this moments of communication, I really have to hear her, you know, and, and not, you know, you know how sometimes in communication where there's a lot of talking going on, but ain't nobody listening. You know, and oftentimes what happens is in a, in a relationship, especially a marriage relationship, marital relationship, you know, you can find yourself spending a lot of time talking at each other, but not really listening to each other. And so I try to make sure I listen. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard because also it, it, it takes a bit of humility uh, because it's hard to hear somebody tell you what you need to hear, especially when you know they're right. And, uh, and I tell y'all this like for real, like this is my biggest secret. This is what makes me so, so good. Uh, what makes me so great is my wife is so much smarter than I am. <laughs> so, y'all listen, I'm telling you. So before I say anything to you, I've already said it to her. <laughs> and she usually gives me points. I'm serious, that's for real, that's for real. And she'll probably tell y'all know that ain't true, but that's for real, that's, that's for real. Uh, so that's, that's one, communication. Uh, and then when it comes to my children, uh, I've been one too. I really look down on how we can sometimes allow the TVs to babysit our children. And not not TVs today, the iPads. You know, we got like three iPads in the house, right? And so my kids always ask, hey dad, can we use the iPad? And and because we have a lot going on, it's really easy to pacify them and be like, yo, take the iPad. Uh, and even though that happens, I don't feel so bad about it sometimes, the work gotta get done sometimes. But I think what we do is we try to be intentional about having time that's specifically for them. You know, and not just on Friday, but every day. Every day we take the time, we try to find it to where we spend time, even if it's just an hour, just spending time listening to them tell stories in circles because that's what kids do, tell stories in circles. But you just listen to it and you follow it, you know, and you let them know that when they got your attention, that it's a big deal, right? And so I think that's what I do to try to manage those relationships. And then when it comes to the church, I learned to, what, what I'm, I'm learning to do is, number one, to be honest. Because a lot of times we're not honest, especially when you work at a church where people sign your check. And the people don't sign my check. 
you know, but still at the end of the day, I'm, I'm accountable to them. But even though I'm accountable to them, I love this line. I, want, I work for the church. I work for God. And so, uh, and so I, I use that, that line. But also, it's another thing, when you're working in a, in a, in a context where you're dealing with people, uh, I've learned to gravitate toward this word, and the word is imperturbability. Uh, and imperturbability simply means, and it's almost like a meditation you have to do, uh, where you have to remind yourself that folk will come at you sideways, they will come at you with all types of, of stuff, noise. But in all of it, you have to remember that you gotta be unbothered. You gotta keep your composure. And be, that's right, be unbothered. No matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult it is, you don't let people get you out of what you're on, on task to do. And so imperturbability is my word. That's what I do, right? And uh, so yeah, I, I hope that uh, speaks to those questions. That answers, and I have one question before we transition to the, uh, the business portion. And we're gonna alter the schedule a little bit. I got something planned at the end where we're gonna get audience to have questions and audience more so, I'm gonna plan at the end. We're gonna have, we're gonna, I got some special idea for the audience, right? So we won't have a question right now, specifically, but at the end, stick with us, and I'm gonna get the audience involved, because a lot of times in this space, and I'm gonna be clear, uh, I know a lot of, you come for a lot of wisdom, you have questions in your heart, but I want the people to leave this building, not just leaving, oh, this people are dope, what a great event, but at least leaving it, I'm dope. I'm a trailblazer, and I got something that's gonna flip a little bit at the end, so unfortunately, after we have this, we'll make a transition, and um, there'll be time after for questions, but we'll have to, I want to stay on time. Uh, so this last question for y'all, and I'm gonna take a second if you want to think about it, is what would you tell, knowing you know now, your 21-year-old self, right? And I'm going to with this with my next guest, I'm layering it a different way, but for y'all in particular, and it could be for you specifically, before you had a kid knowing you know now, and then for you specifically, uh, it could be before you got married. <laughs> Leave him. <laughs> I just gotta let that sit for a second. <laughs> Not because of the person, but for me. I gave for seven years of my life in a relationship. Gave, 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 gave. And I would, I would have told myself to leave him and to, to remain alone. <coughs> to remain alone. I love my daughter to death. Love her to death. But um, the time that I needed to develop as a woman was taken from me. And I gave it away. But it was taken from me. Um, I didn't have that time to develop as a woman to understand my value. I didn't understand relationships, how to truly be in one with myself, with other people. Um, it really um, affected every aspect of my life. So, you know, to be locked down, which sounds really negative, but to be co so committed so early for so long, not knowing so much about the world and, you know, myself, is was had a really, um, I don't want to say a negative impact on my life because I wouldn't take anything back. I'm learning here now, you know, but I think uh, I would have been a stronger woman, you know, 
sooner, if that makes sense. So if I could tell myself anything when I was 21, no matter how hard it was, no matter how sold I was on, you know, the, the situation that I was in, I would tell myself to leave him, you know, listen to my mom and then. Uh, <laughs> but to leave him for me, you know, because I think uh, we deserve to have time invested into ourselves. And I can only imagine if the energy that I put into the relationships that I had, I can only imagine what type of person that I would be today if I had invested that energy into myself. And so nothing against the person, but it's all about, you know, me giving the energy that I was giving to someone else, it's all about giving it back to myself because I deserve that. And that's the only way that I'm really going to flourish and be the person that I'm supposed to be. Yep, I hope y'all enjoyed the business format, man. Des indeed dropped another jewels. So many jewels, man. Um, as we transition to the next round, yep, we got another ad, but it's our own ad. Yo, if you have not joined the mastermind group already, go check it out, greggyhill.com backslash mastermind, or just go to the website. It's on the top level. So, yeah, if you want that accountability, you want that type of push and focus, make sure you join us. Also, if you have not, if you have not received anything from the last two sessions, you might need to start re stop listening anyways. You feel me? Like, it, just, it ain't going to be it for you. But if you have, make sure you have sown a seed to the Capital Improvement Campaign. That's greggyhill.com backslash CI fund or just cash out the boy. Uh, cash app sign Greg E. Hill. That's all I got for you. Enjoy the next session. For our next two guests, I'm going to introduce uh, my brother Desmond Scott first. I already gave you a little spill about him, but he's one of the guys who's actually younger than me. But I always, I always looked up to the way he built and organized himself with the business, his discipline. Um, and it's foresight to, when somebody tells us, no, he's gonna find a way, period. And he's gonna be honest with you. If he can't do something for you, be like, no, I can't do it. It ain't gonna be no pacifier, like, oh, gee, I got you, and then you holler at him, and you ain't picking up the phone. But we all got friends that promise a lot, but then when the times come to come, they just never there. Like, he's a guy that's always been honest, but most importantly, I know he's had many probably setbacks in the business, but he never stopped. Just continue to keep going and building, not just like build, I'm talking about build, build. And I'm just impressed when he's been able to do a prom. And just in general, his own attitude. And I had him at Charlotte, and he's one of the brothers that if I ever need for something, he just say, okay, where is that? He never hit me with the hole. And he could. He's like, all right, how much? What's going on? How am I going to reflect my brand? How are you going to put my pension? Whatever. He's like, yo, where is that? He's like, man, every single time, where is that? Like, man. So um, he going to talk a little bit about my journey, but uh, let's clap it up for Desmond Scott. But it supports not only black business, it was for business as a whole and has a wealth of knowledge. And I was like, I, I talked my one of my fraternity brothers, uh, Jay Gunn. And I was like, yo, Jay Gunn, I shoot me somebody that's doing some dope stuff, but it's not in the phase of starting start to try and do it. It's in the phase of like, we've accomplished certain things and I can speak to some things. He said, yo, Demon Do. I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I looked it up and I was like, oh snap, I need to get Demon Do. Right? So then I reached out to me and she said immediately, all right, sign me up, where is that? Let's go. I'm not going to read a long bio, but all I know is she's a dynamic influencer, enduring, and she don't brag about it. It's not online about it, 
But she can make moves, make stuff shake, make money shake, and do all these things. And also, so I'm excited to die. Yeah, we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there. But let's clap it up for Demon Dude. So one of the first things we're gonna ask, oof, oof, the mic keep going, is so you all share just a little bit about who you are, where you're from, a little bit about yourself, just to give the audience a little bit of context. Sure. Um, so I'm a little bit Desmond Scott, owner, founder of Prime Athletic Training and Fitness Institute. Um, I'm from Durham, graduated from Hillside in 2009, graduated from Duke. Come on now. <laughs> graduated from Duke in 2013 with a double major and a minor in African American Studies and uh, History and Education. Um, I'm 28. <laughs> We have discovered that there's a decade between us. <laughs> but she doesn't look it. Doesn't she look good? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to be here and, and share knowledge with you guys. Uh, normally when I have these opportunities to, to speak either with Greg or anybody else, most of the time it's about health and fitness. Um, and one of my goals for 2019 is to break into the space to talk business. You know, I tried to do it before. Um, but nobody really jumped on it. Um, so I'm excited to be here and talk about how my business started and the, uh, the blessings that it's been. So before I jump into the hardball stuff, I want you to break down you, uh, Des, uh, from the ground up to Burby business from actually, you know, when you talk and then transition from the Burby business until now, and like kind of like a three, five, three boy, and then, um, Maybe you can kind of just share some highlights of your twisted journey in your own space, and then we'll cut to where I really want to go. Yeah, well, so I, I would say that my life was kind of set up for me not to fail. Right? If I was to ever do a book, that's what it would probably be entitled. My life was set up for me not to fail. Um, coming out of high school, I was the number one running back in the state, number 23 in the nation. Um, I had the opportunity to play any college I wanted to for free. Um, and my top five colleges was Clemson, Florida, Georgia, West Virginia, Rutgers. It's just, that's the way it is. So my co-founders and I, we got together, you know, being in Durham for work and a lot of them living in Durham, and we said, what this rich history that Durham has around black entrepreneurship, black wealth, people working together. So we launched um, a nonprofit that focused on providing access to capital for black um, and minority entrepreneurs. So that's where Black Wall Street comes from. Supposed to be doing, but I gotta make it plain to you 
how to do it so you do it the way I want. Like, don't, don't have high expectations for your, for your phone. Right? Yes, you bring them on or roll, but you're going to have to do a lot of self-reflecting so that they can do it the way you want it to be done. Um, what was the question again, bro? Sorry. Business in life, if you have another business that you want to share. No, I'm glad you going to life. Um, there's no such thing as balance. Um, and it's very easy to lose yourself and your relationship with God when you're so focused on making your baby an adult, right? Um, in, in 2017, 2018, I was so focused on relationship and gym that I wasn't being led by the one who got me to that point. You know, uh, and then because I wasn't being led by him, clearly I couldn't lead myself, right? And, and, and when you get to a point where you understand and you realize, like, yo, I'm losing myself. Like, I'm not doing the things that I used to do. I'm not enjoying my life like I once did. You have to put brakes on it. And you have to come to grips with self and understand, like, why it's actually happening, right? So don't hold your people to super, super high standards. And there's no real such thing as a balance, right? Um, and don't lose the connection with God because he got you to the point you're right now. Yeah. Uh, the 
You didn't go crying. You mean you probably went to a bank when you go to the store. But it was it was cash. It was straight up. And many of us in this room, for those on the business side, um, of course it is smart because you come in a piece of paper to look for a budget. But what if those doors are closed? How can you still make those steps when if you look on the outside looking in, there's really there may not be a way that you can really see. Um, and then the thing for you is um, how can you how can you um, curate or grow your influence from a corporate perspective. Because I know sometimes from a corporate perspective, or just in general for those of uh, everybody who's not an entrepreneur, or everybody is worried about um, some of the vanity uh, vanity measures, or right, let, me, uh, let me get more shares, let me get this, let me get that, which are important to a certain degree, but there are people that, not even on social media, they're making huge waves, and influencing people, uh, creating partnerships, and really playing the strength behind the scenes. So how, how can those, people that are in the audience right now, uh, with their business or with their lives, start to grow their influence in their, in their own circle, et cetera. So I'll let you start there. Yeah, I would start uh, with saying keep your foot on the pedal. Um, the relationships that you have and uh, not making it as complicated as most people do, right? Start small. Um, one thing that this guy said to me was, um, don't outrun your headlights. Right? Don't outrun your headlights. If, if we're driving in a car, you only can see so far. Right? And we have this big goal of where we want our businesses and our lives to be. You know, and, and we can see it, but it's a little blurry. Right? And if you don't outrun your headlights, you can always see what's going on in front of you. Right? And, and that's kind of what idea with the business. Um, to be honest, I didn't do a business plan until 2017, right? I, I, I didn't know how to do one. So serious, like business started December 2013. I did not write a business plan until 2017. And, and the reason for that was because I didn't start off to make it a business. Like it was, it was, it was a side hustle, and the popularity of what we provided grew it into a business. And I learned everything as I was going. Like literally learned what an LLC was, what an S Corp was. Like I, I named my business something even before I even had it established. Like you know, I didn't outrun my head. Like I let the people, I let the day by day stuff create what we actually have now. You know, uh, we're based upon faith, family, and fitness. Um, and, and that didn't come until like two years in where I was having a conversation with the young lady who I graduated with. And I was like, yo, I gotta have God in my business some kind of way. And I was like, but I don't wanna be overbearing. I don't wanna be, uh, uh, negative to people who don't believe what I believe. And she's like, well, guess it's through you how people are going to see God. And they didn't come until two years later, right? After, after you already created the LLC. So my business was created step by step over the years of the people forcing us to grow. Um, so don't outrun your headlights. Um, not making it uh, super stressful, right? I, what was the word that uh, uh, has to be? Empathy. 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 Empathy
That word. Like you can't be perturbed, like father. That's not perturbed. That is me all day long. Right? That's me. That is me all day long. Like, I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to allow what you're talking to bother me, and it gets me in trouble with my girlfriend all the time. Like, it's like, yo, okay, you're emotional right now. Well, let's try to figure out how we're going to fix it. Like, I don't have the time right now to be emotional with you. Let's fix this. Right? Gets me in trouble. Right? But, yeah, yeah, right? But, that's how I was in business. I think that's how you should be to a certain extent. Like, if you're trying to go do something, you can't let other people's actions and, and emotions and things like that throw you off your path. Right? So, my, my level for stress, like, I, God got it. I'm gonna I'm figure this thing out. Because we started to understand I was 22. I left the guaranteed paycheck and health benefits. All right, so my relationship with God at 22 was off the chain. All right, so I was like, yo, you're not gonna stress me. This is what I'm trying to get to. It's my job to service these individuals that are coming in my life so much so that I got it tattooed on my rib, servant, because I'm a servant of the God of God, and it's my job to service you guys. Like that's that's my job and I take it very, very seriously. Uh, so don't outrun your headlights and you know don't let people stress you out. Sharing 
their wins or sharing their work on social media when it's something that you've done. But really, you've got to ask authenticity and depth to what it is that you're offering. So I'd say that those are the things. I didn't even hire a conference planner. 
I didn't have the money to hire a counselor, so I sent it in the comments, period. But, and not to say for all those people, if you need to try and fail the thing is, I've already tried that before and failed, so it's not, so I, I couldn't give myself that app, but I still did it, but I wasn't honest with myself. I wanted to believe what other people believe, like, oh, G, you can do everything. No, G can't do everything. There's boundaries for a lot of things, there's a reason, like, we go past the yard and we see um, a fence, there's a fence there for a reason, half the time. So I have to tell myself, even to this day, certain things that I can we can because I know now that you are the vice president, and you do a lot of things with Prime. There's an opportunity to invest in business, opportunity to network, partnership, and all those other things. But you have to have value of what you will do and what you won't. So before I ask my last question, how do y'all do now when y'all in your position now, deal with boundaries? Because everybody in here has a role, even in their job, even with their relationship with their kids, where there's certain boundaries that you've had to put in place. But this is all, for me, it's all new to me now. Like, I really have to think to myself, okay, I can't do that. Even though I'm cool with you, I need to know, okay, what, what's going on here? I just can't be like, oh, boom, let me go do it. So how do y'all really establish, you can start first, um, how do you establish boundaries in your workspace and who you in your interactions now? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so you said earlier that there is no balance, right? I had this, like, last year, coming at me left and right, obviously, and I'm not opposed to the configuration. You'll see some people, and I hope somebody can figure it out then, some people are like, oh, can you move past the, can I pay your rent? I'm all for people asking me questions about something that I can help you with, right? But I had, to, I had to learn to say no and not feel bad about it because I had to learn how to protect my time because the work is always going to be there. So for me, it was, you know, what's the least amount of effort or time for the highest amount of impact? That's how I made my decision. Right? So if someone needs 15 minutes or 30 minutes with me and then I'll move the needle for them in their lives, I'm happy to do it. But if I'm signing up for another project and it's not necessarily going to do anything, I can't do it. So that's kind of how I've learned to um, you know, really prioritize my own personal time. I'm not married, I don't have any kids. So when you are unmarried, you don't have kids, people think that your time and their time. So people sign you up for all sorts of stuff, right? So I have to It's like, yo, I'm good at rap, 
I'm good at rapping, I'm good at storytelling. What can I do that surrounds this? And so for me, it was like, okay, well, there's your, your business, I wanna make it like Target, right? What I mean by make it like Target is like, you can go to Target, y'all ladies know, y'all can go to Target and spend hours in Target like it's the mall. And it's because you got electronics, you got grocery stores, you can buy clothes, you get shoes, you get whatever you need from Target for the low up, right? And, and what, I, what I realized is like, yo, that's what I gotta make prime, right? I gotta bring you into prime and I gotta want you to be here all day long, right? And how do we do that? Okay, well, there's, I put a hair salon in the gym, ladies, right? So come on, come work out. Don't worry about sweating it out. We good, we got a wash bowl in the back, we're gonna get you right, and we're gonna break you up, <laughs> right? Oh, you got kids? Okay, we got a full-time daycare too. Well, you can drop your kids off for up to four hours. You got a date, don't worry about it, bring them to us. You trust me, so you're gonna trust your kid with me. Right, no, no, matter, no matter who the daycare person is, you trust me, you trust Prime, you're gonna be okay with leaving your child there, right? So we're creating an environment where you wanna spend time there. Like, you, like it's not just a gym. Right, we have people that come to the gym now, right, some in the audience. Like, yo, they'll come to the gym, they'll work out, and they'll stay for another two hours. Like, yo, go home, bro. Like, you have a job, it's cool. But I enjoy it, like, that's, that's the environment that I wanted to create, right? So when, when establishing a business and you're ready to venture off into another one, right, ask yourself, what am I good at, right? If, if it's hair, right, well, you're, your next thing needs to be, oh, I'm gonna create some oils that's gonna help this hair, right? Or, or I'm gonna bring on somebody else that knows how to do a style that I don't know how to do. They gonna pay her, but she gonna pay me, right? So you just created two, two types of businesses, right, from the foundation that you're good at, right? You're not breaking your brain, right? So I'm not killing myself, to get back to your question, like I'm not killing myself trying to work on different projects outside of the gym, I'm adding them, them into the gym. Man, that's a five. So, uh, as you close, can you add just the word strategy? Yep, strategy. That's it. That's what you just talked about, right? Like, so it's, sorry. So it's being strategic, right? Like, if you have an opportunity, pull up from what you're doing and be strategic. So, you know, um, you have your core business, Right? And then you have all these ancillary businesses or opportunities and make sure that what you're doing ties back to the main, right? Um, and if it doesn't, let it be, like, the opportunity needs to be so lucrative that you'd be stupid not to do it, right? But otherwise, it doesn't make sense because you're splitting your brain into, you know, in, or you're putting your brain in unrelated directions, right? So if you're gonna do a gym, sure, smoothie bar, hair salon, all that makes sense, but it might not necessarily make sense for you to try to open a hotel, right? So these are the things that we're talking about in the principles being strategic, taking time to do not necessarily a vision board, but for a full-fledged business plan, but really be intentional about where you want your business to go. Because part of not outrunning your headlights is understanding 
what might come along, right? So, you know, paying attention to the things that might come from the left or the right, and you really have to be strategic and intentional about doing those things in order for your business to be successful. And one of the things that we focus on a lot is helping businesses grow and scale. You're an excellent example of someone who started a business and you're growing and scaling it by multiple locations, but it's growing and scaling by adding more to it. So you're gonna be exponentially better at what you do and create way more money and choose the revenue as opposed to just that one thing. So when we start to think about, you know, at least all any nuggets today, it's really thinking about who you are, what you're good at, and then how you can keep it and grow that First of all, you told me my worst. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you talk real good. I have a lot of thoughts in my mind, but I can't. I can't articulate it all the time. So that was pretty good. Okay, that was good. But she was like, "Know what you're good at. Know what you're good at. What would you say? Know what you're good at." So know what you're good at, right? And I will add on to that. What the people want, and how can you give it to them consistently, right? Knowing what you're good at, ask self, self, what am I good at? Okay, good. Now, the people who want what you're good at, how can you give it to them? And they can, how can you give it to them at a consistent level high, right? Three good questions.
Okay. I read an email that said, all 20 years old, I'm trying to get into speaking. How do I start? Is that what you, if a guy is obviously first year, is that, is that how you want to approach it? No disrespect to him, but it's like, what are some other creative ways so that if he's busy, if he's doing that, that you can then he give advice? So make it simple, because there's people that are in the position you want to be in, they want to give you advice, but you got to make it simple for them to actually give it to you, and I guarantee they'll help you out. This last question I want to leave you with. It's yeah. not also about the email, it's about how often are you willing to follow up. But sometimes, you know, the people that you're trying to get up, oftentimes they have those things going on in their mind. So that first email might not be seen, but it's that second email, that third email, where I often say, you know, here's my cell phone number, give me a call. So how persistent are you in wanting to get that help? And pull up on you see him in your city? <laughs> hey, look, you be in my city. I was disrespectful. You young cat, you be in my city. Hey, you see me running? Oh, well, you're running, man. I'm gonna show up at the run Oh, square bay. Okay, I'm gonna look up. Not to get that creepy, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be real. Like, if you really want something, okay, oh, I really want to break into this corporate sector. She's a good connection. Let me just, let me find out where she lunches. Let me, like, do, do something. Be real. If you really want it, there's people out there that are willing to give you that game, but it ain't gonna be as simple as sending an email. Tell them you can't breathe in August. I. Slice up my vacation basically ruined it because I wasn't willing to say, hey guys, I have already, I've already made plans. I was, I should have told them. It would have been well received, it would have been fine if I was too scared. And so looking back on it now, I should have just said when they flew the meeting, like, hey, I already had something scheduled, but I didn't. So that's what I was talking about. That's, that's an exercise in strength. It's an exercise that no one did it, sorry. Um, but it, I should have done that, because I, I took the easy way out by saying, it's okay, I'll just reschedule. And I took, it took me a day to get the argument from Beverly Hills, but it just, I should have done it differently. What I would tell uh, 2018 Desmond is uh, to continue to work actively as you come. Um, and it, that's not just 2018, that's 2017, 16, 15. Uh, you know, because I saw other people getting things that I was like, yo, I know they're not working as hard as I'm working, right? And I felt like I should have been man of the year this and best gym that, right? But I just put my head down and, and worked. That's what 2017 was, and in 2018, uh, Prime was named Best Gym in Durham via um, Durham Magazine, and I was also Spectacular Magazine Man of the Year. All right, so it was, don't think about what you're gonna do, just do it, just work, do the work. Do the work. Do the work, um, so that's what I tell myself. So
So next up, uh, and also too, I'm gonna leave it up there this time for those, like I said, more information on the capital improvement campaign is right online, leave it up there. Definitely, definitely, definitely go support. But the next two people individually that I wanna have, that I, that I wanna have come talk uh, are near and dear. We're gonna talk about holistic health. We're gonna talk about holistic health. And I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let the, the dogs do their thing. I'm gonna let the people do their thing with it. Um, the first person I wanna introduce is one of my, I call my brother, one of my brothers. I don't say that word uh, as much as I used to. I used to like everybody, my brother, everybody's just brother. Everybody's just friend, that's the, other, that's the other thing. So, but he's really a brother of mine. He's a co-founder, but one of the, the lead person. We co-founder, but he's the lead person in Rebel Run, which is an amazing run group on Mondays. If you were in North Carolina on Mondays, every Monday at 6.5 at the wall, we got a run group. At the bull, we got a run group. We got a one mile, two mile, three mile group. We got walking, we got all that good stuff, right? So he helped co-found that. Um, he's in finance, so his focus is really in finance, but I really wanted to have him speak on holistic health because there's a lot of people that speak about health and speak about things, but who they are doesn't contribute to that. We have a lot of self, like you said, self-appointed, self-help specialists, whatever, and you meet them, they're like, oh, what is, what, what is self-help group? What is self-help that? What is energy at? It's real cold. And even though he doesn't call himself an expert in health, holistic wellness, I'll be honest, this brother, like last year at the beginning was just a weird moment in my life, and I'm telling you, every Monday, and I know you want to put me on the spot, but I got to. Every Monday, every Wednesday, every Sunday, Came to the crib, picked me up, never complained, never asked for nothing. Would call me like, G, you come to church, put me up, all this other stuff. And this his, 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 his confidence, more so consistency. His consistency spoke volumes in a way. And he's one of the guys that live by what he preaches. He lives it. And he'd be hard on himself a lot of times. Because he's going to be shaking his head right now, rebuking what I'm saying. But he lives by what he preaches. And you got to go find some friends like that. It's going to live on what they preach. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Terry T. Crump to the stage. Uh, Terry T. Crump is the stage. Yup, I hope y'all enjoyed the business format, man. Dez indeed dropped another jewels. So many jewels, man. Um, as we transition to the next round, yep, we got another ad, but it's our own ad. Yo, if you have not joined the Mastermind group already, go check it out, greggyhill.com backslash mastermind, or just go to the website. It's on the top level. So, yeah, if you want that accountability, you want that type of push and focus, make sure you join us. Also, if you have not, if you have not received anything from the last two sessions, you might need to start re stop listening anyways. You feel me? Like, it, just, it ain't going to be it for you. But if you have, make sure you have sown a seed to the Capital Improvement Campaign. That's greggyhill.com backslash CI fund or just cash out the boy. Uh, cash app sign Greg E. Hill. That's all I got for you. Enjoy the next segment. And then next, I want to uh, introduce Tiana. It's crazy. This year, the most transformative year of my life, personally and from a business perspective. And it all came from people that I've already known, people that I went to high school with. And she's a sister that, um, and I know before this leading up to the event, she was really anxious about like being prepared and all this other stuff. And the reason why I started this podcast is because there's people that are, you're already in trouble. So you got your, your parents, the, the culture has already prepared you to be phenomenal. You're already phenomenal. You don't got to get prepared to show up because you do it. You live it. That's what you do. So I'm really excited about what she has to say in this self-care space, the jewels she's about to drop. Um, and y'all really give a round of applause. Let her know that, yo, affirm her that, yo, give her this, give her this space, give her this confidence that she's going to come out here and be dominant like she is. Also, too, she has a book, so at the end, when she says herself, go support her. Even if you can't support her, let her know, yo, when I can't support her,
order, I will do something because y'all don't know these entrepreneurs. I don't care if people know. The donation fee, people like, oh, I can donate a hundred. Yo, there's somebody I know right now donated five dollars. I know you had it. I know you had it. Not to say, I mean, I appreciate people that donated a lot, but that one dollar meant so much. They didn't wait too long. I get ten hundred dollars. I mean, we can go preach all day. A lot of people wait to do stuff. You need to stop waiting. You need to stop hesitating. Because I gave more than I ever gave this year, but I got it back tenfold. I didn't get it, but I got it back tenfold. So I'm telling y'all, for these entrepreneurs that are pouring out their soul, even if you can't support, just, just affirm them. Affirm them with what they're trying to do. So let's clap it up for Tiana. Let's clap it up. Let's clap it up. So first and foremost, uh, we're just going to jump it up so you can get an audience a little bit of context of who you are um, and not what you do, but what you live by. All right. Um, again, I'm Terry Crumpler. Um, I, I feel I try to live every day as a vessel. Um, try to, to just, as G said, be consistent. Um, if I believe, if my life is a business or I wanted to be consistency. Um, and, and, and add some type of value to the spaces that I occupy. Um, and not just make that time, you know, valueless or the meantime. Um, so I would consider that, I guess, as, in one word, maybe just being a servant. And you want professional? Uh, yeah, you can do that. All right, um, and I guess professionally, um, I've now just uh, began my one-on-one -on -one personal financial sessions. Um, which is a, a branch off of what I do, I guess nine to five-ish, which really just supports what I really want to do in life. But um, I'm, I've been a financial uh, advisor, consultant for next year will be seven years. It's kind of crazy um, to say that, uh, but yeah, for seven years. So I'm basically taking what I've learned from there and actually helping people one-on-one -on -one, um, that may not have the means to be ready to maybe invest or to, to you know, to do something formally, but to let them know you, you can do this and to have some type of foundational piece. And then like G always tells you, get out of the lab. Like stop planning, stop planning, like actually do, and to enhance their finances and to make financial literacy something that I can bring to everyone's front door, no matter if you're starting with $5 or you're making 50000 a month. So um, that's what I do also, Rebel Run. Um, that's something that's near and dear to my heart as well, um, as far as on being fit and uh, just doing something that uh, I enjoy and, and being with uh, with the Ron family. As of this uh, Monday, like two years since we started, he has not missed a Monday. That is really good. Slap it
drop two self-care planners, one for men, one for women, um, to make self-care something that we are encouraging more and that people are making time for throughout the year. And we're gonna do this after I got one question there, but then we're gonna flip it and do a little different this this portion because I know see she does these type of sessions all the time, so we're gonna have a lot of a lot more audience engagement with this piece. Uh, but the question that I, I wanted to ask: What did last, What did twenty eighteen teach you? Um, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do that, and then after that, I'm gonna talk about actually you know, that scratch that question first before we get there. What is what is holistic health mean to you? Or self care, which one, whichever one you want to tackle, what does it actually mean to personally? I mean, I think holistic health is just all health in general. And for me, I know with healthy pleasures, I created it with mind, body, and soul in mind. And so for me, that's what it means. And self care is just really prioritizing yourself. Um, I know that we don't do it enough, and I know we don't spend time for it enough because we have all these other things going on, and we feel like that's more important than who we are and it's not. And at the end of the day, you can have these accolades and you can do this, you can do that, but if you're not taking care of yourself, then none of that matters because most likely you're going to drive yourself to the ground. And so that's kind of what it is for me. Um, I think you get a lot of great points. Um, and if I was just to. I really don't think I can add anything to it. I really I feel like it's the same thing. I mean, holistic, just looking at like as a whole um, and making sure that you're filling each bucket. Um, I know we mentioned like balance isn't realistic, but. I think it's a point of making sure that each bucket is being filled um, and that you're not neglecting one portion um, more than the other because that's how injuries can happen or that's how um, you know things that we're not looking forward to happening can actually happen. And, and hold on, uh, what, did, what did 2018 teach you, man? What did 2018 teach you from just a, from a personal space? Um, I know it's like, dang, get deep. I better be not for that. No, that's what we actually opened up with. Um, so that's the first one I'm sharing with uh, Brother Bass about um, 2018 really, I feel like it took the lid off of kind of where I can be a servant. And what that, I summed up the year in just a few words is fear can't win. Um, and I would allow fear to keep me comfortable. Um, it's not like I was, I've been down and out. Um, I, I've had some very tough years. Um, when I wasn't making anything, when I was on unemployment, making food stamps. So I could I could uh, kind of go back to that, but when, when you take a step above that, and you're like, oh, I'm good, you know? Why, why do I need to continue to kind of level up? But it's really not for me, it's for others. Um, and I feel like 2018, uh, a lot of the things that I've been through is just simply fear can't win. And when you remove that fear factor, um, I feel like the sky's the limit, so I feel like 2019, almost everything that I'm involved in, it's just like, it's a call for action. It's more, it's like, all right, 2018, we see the potential. 2019, let's do it. Um, and, and it actually excites me. Like, I'm not afraid to actually uh, to do it, so. It's funny you said that, mom, for me, fear is not, that's one, and that fear is not an option, just for me. Um, Healthy Budget started out as a blog, maybe two, three years ago. I did it for a little bit, quit, and just stopped. And started, we started it in June of last year. And the biggest thing, especially with social media, and you trying to appease other people, and it's just like, ah, I want to say this, or I want to do this, but how are people going to receive this? Are people going to be okay with that? And so for me, on top of learning not to be so hard on myself, because the people who love me and care for me and here right now, tell me, 
you're doing good. Like, why are you upset? Why are you so anxious? What are you worried about? You know how to do that. So for me, it was fear is not an option. And two, you have to be more compassionate with yourself because God didn't give you a vision for no reason. And if you're doing this and he gave it to you, then this is your purpose to stick with it. So that was what it was for me. So now I want to flip it. I have our last question. We're going to have to do this little segment. But for the next 15 minutes, um, I know Tiana, we're gonna, she's going to have it, ask open questions, and I'll give it y'all a chance to kind of think and reflect on some things. But Tia, you can kind of um, have some questions that you, you we talked about, um, and you kind of get the vibe and energy of the room. Um, we can share it, then what we'll do, we'll pass the mic around, I'll pass it, and, um, and just to kind of get some thoughts on some of the things you want to talk about, and um, just lay our brain. Mostly are people in here, from what I can yeah. see. Um, and I, <laughs> I know in my mind, and just from researching, et cetera, what mental health means in our community and how we view it. But I would really love to see like what the thoughts are and how do you feel like what the barriers are right now for us to get to where we need to be mental health wise in our community. Um, and you can just you can just raise your hand. I'm, you can speak. Actually, no, I'll pass the mic. You raise your hand. I'll pass the mic too. Right here. Yeah, so I actually started doing uh, uh, therapy sessions, mental therapy sessions uh, for for myself, but I also needed it myself to be good for my people. Um, and I actually wanted to record the sessions uh, like that I was doing so that I can show my clientele like, yo, like it's okay for us as black men to be in this session pouring out our hearts um, to this individual. Um, so I think for, for you guys to break that barrier, they have to see people doing it. Right? I, I, think, I think people have to be shown doing it that are in leadership positions to make it okay. That's funny you said that because um, I blog too, and I actually wrote a blog about therapy, <laughs> mental health. I feel like and the vulnerability of letting yourself out, right? So me telling, writing a blog about depression and people reading it, and I, I, at first I'm like, should I you know, submit this? So I had people who read it first, and they're like, don't submit it, it's gonna be real vulnerable. And I said, it's gonna be what? Sin. Because you know what, other people feel that way. Why? It's not even today. Our whole entire, like all, our whole history is a taboo. Like mental health is a taboo. It's go ahead and pray on that. Go ahead and pray on that, girl. Go to church, you'll be good. Like, that's not gonna fix it. You know, prayer without works, nothing. So it's just, I felt like making the table a norm, making normal to go to therapy, making it normalizing therapy. It's not just a white thing. It's not just, first of all, people who are Medicaid, uh, it covers like Medicaid and all that. It covers it. So like, I'm just like, use it. It's already paid for it. Why not? I don't have that. I have to pay a copay, but I still go. So my thing is, me actually saying that I go to therapy was scary at first because people are looking at me like I'm crazy. I go to therapy. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing's wrong with me. I mean, I'm just going to therapy. Although like when you are diagnosed with something, I was diagnosed, and a child, I had to talk to my parents about it because the child, they kept trying to like chastise me and punish me for things. And I'm like, I have no control over this. 
people, a lot of our people think that we can get control it. Just make it back in here, you, you can be all right, you can just act crazy. I'm like, no, I really can't control this. So I feel like if we normalize it in our community, and I feel like the key thing is getting more black therapists out there. I don't want to speak to somebody who don't look like me. Yeah. You don't understand where I'm coming where I'm coming from or nothing. So if we have somebody look like you, all right, let me get this talk for hour. Next person. But you're right though, because <laughs> there is a lot of research on the fact that people are more likely to identify with a therapist that looks like them. Like when I do trauma assessments, I ask a parent and a kid, what is your preference? Well, what do you mean, what is my preference? Do you want a white therapist? Do you want a black therapist? Do you prefer male or female? Like at the end of the day, when you go to therapy, it's for you, so it's your choice. You don't have to go to one agency and say, yeah, this is where I'm saying. If they don't work for you, they don't work for you, and that's fine. If you have to shop around to see if I'm the right person, that's cool too. So, I think that's a good thing, but I think, you know. I think the idea that you only go to therapy when something is wrong is, is something that needs to be fixed, right? So I think if we can, as a community, talk about therapy as just a normal part of your everyday life and not just something that you seek out when you're at what you feel to be your lowest, I think that'd be helpful. I think it's also helpful to understand that when you go to therapy, it's an unbiased opinion on what's going on in your life, right? Or maybe not even an opinion, an unbiased listener. And so for all of us, we go through things, but we have the amen corner or we have the naysayer corner in everything that we do. So therapy could be a way to connect with someone who just doesn't, isn't a part of it. And so the more we can position therapy as a natural and normal part of every part of life, not just the lows, I think we'll have better results. Um, I would say that it's important to realize that putting money towards self-care is just as important as paying a bill. Um, like she touched on about um, having Medicare pay for it, um, some people don't want to, say, put $50 towards going to see a therapist versus paying their cell phone bill. I'm honest to say, I saw a therapist a few years ago, and I continued going because it was covered 100% from my job. So I was like, why not? But some people, you know, you can't put that money towards it. So just finding ways to make it affordable, and like she said, especially, having um, people like you that you can talk to. Because in most places, if you have a job, they offer something through your health benefits. And a lot of people don't know that. Like, you can go and get it through that. Um, another way is a lot of places have a sliding scale. So if you can't afford at the moment, like, you can work that out. I think one time when I went a few years ago, I went through Fiber University up by the airport. I paid twelve dollars a session. Like if you and they asked me how much can you pay? Well, don't ask me, because I'm just giving you the lowest number. If that's what you want to do, you can do that. But there's an option for that. So like it doesn't always have to cost so much. There are ways around it. And after Marcus, she has uh, we should ask another question. So I think this is just an addition to kind of what everybody has said. Like I, I believe we should normalize it. Um, as well, I know the first time that I went to therapy was because like, and this was in college, so this was years ago, my girlfriend was actually like, I want you to go with me to therapy. She was seeing like the on-campus, one of the on-campus therapists or whatever, and she obviously was always bringing up my name, and he was like, I, and it was a guy too, and he was like, I want to meet this guy, like what you're talking about, and so like I went in and you know, anxious and like, who is this man? Why do I need to go to him? I'm not crazy, like you know, nothing is wrong with me. But she, for some reason, like it was normal to her. She was just like, you know, and I don't know if it's something that, that women are just a little bit more, they are more accepting of those things. And so it was, uh, it was easy for her. So she was going to him like every week. Um, something that happened more recently, 
again, normalizing it, and this was like a coworker that's white, she was like, her daughter who is now in college um, is in therapy and goes to therapy sessions, and she's sharing this with me freely, you know, like, I'm like, you should keep that at home, that's personal. But she's sharing it real freely, like, yeah, my daughter's been in therapy for her, for her anxiety since like she was in high school, and I was like, I don't even know nobody, you know what I'm saying, who is in any kind of therapy or going to any kind of mental health therapist or anything when they were in high school or, or kids, you know, because it's always the amen corner or, oh, go pray it off or, or all these, you know, all these things. And so I think just normalizing it and just also, you know, seeing people who look like you and, and normalizing it at a younger age, you know. So, I mean, we go through a lot as black people, as brown people anyway. We see a lot in our communities. And so, like, we need therapy probably more than most other people, you know, but we, we push it away and we, we, we use other things to like kind of cope with those different, you know, um, stresses or whatnot. So I, I think starting at a younger age too and seeing those people in the therapy sessions uh, all helps. Can I, real quick, real quick, sorry, sorry. When you said that like women usually don't do it, that's the thing, if we are the ones who usually do it, we mostly raise our children, so we raise our boys. So I like, we have to be the ones that put it in our, install our, our sons that they can go to therapy and when they fall, they can cry. So I feel like a lot of it is, yeah, we're the ones that do it, but we should put it on our, our sons so they can grow up and be men, they can go in high school and stuff like that. childhood trauma is real. And you cannot address a lot of stuff and grow up and be an adult. It's not very functional. And the truth is, we deal with a lot of stuff, period. And I think I heard you say, I'm not crazy. Like, I think a lot of people associate mental health with being crazy. You're not crazy. We're all human. We all have a mind of our own. And sometimes that mind can be stronger than what we are. Um, so that brings up my next question. Is like, what do you feel like diagnosis-wise or mental health-wise that we struggle with the most within our community? Um, I would say the fear of being misdiagnosed. Because when you're misdiagnosed, not only do you have one label that you may actually have, legit, but then you have another label that you don't have, and that label follows you forever. No matter what doctor's office, no matter what, whatever you want to do in life, if they pull your mental history, that comes up, and that may be something that you really don't have. That's a real fear. Yeah. When I was in grad school, um, we had to take a class where they taught us the DSM, which is just the diagnostic book that we use to get our diagnosis. And I told my professor, I don't want to be this part of the job. And she's like, why not? So, because I don't want to label people. Like, yeah, and, and this is on. <laughs> as a therapist, yes, we have the book to say what certain things is, but I still, as a therapist, struggle with it a lot. Like, yeah. That may be what it technically is labeled, but I don't want people to feel like that's what they have to carry. And I think with mental health, that is the issue is you may get maybe diagnosed. Like for kids, and I learned this when I started getting certified as a trauma therapist, a lot of ADHD symptoms are actually trauma symptoms. And people try to medicate the ADHD and you're not fixing the problem because that's not the issue. So kids run around zombified on all types of medication that's not helping them because at the end of the day, that's not what it is. And so I think that's a good point. I love that you just said that, but um, another one is acceptance. I think sometimes when people are diagnosed and they don't want to believe it, or if it's your child, for instance, you don't want to believe that. So sometimes they don't get the help that they need because of their parents. That's right. Um, I, I don't have a question. I just have more so a comment to throw out there. Uh, 2018 was the first year that I myself went to therapy. It's been amazing. Um, I found the right therapist, one that looks like me, one that's around my age, 
one that's HBCU educated, because <laughs> she understands my lead. Right. Um, she's just as passionate as you are about our community being more open and acceptance of going to therapy. I had to search near far for her. The black therapists in this community really need to band together and create these resources and these places for people to find the right people. That's I think that's a big problem. We're not able to find you guys sometimes. So like I said, I don't have the issue, I don't have the answers. I don't work in therapy, but I know that there are black therapists out here and I think it's gonna take you guys banding together to push out for our community. If you go, before I forget, if you go on psychologytoday.com, they have a full directory where you can search, you can look at people's pictures, what they look like, what their background, what their specialty is, um, <laughs> where they went to school, all that stuff, and just kind of weed through it that way. Because it, I mean, it's nice to know who you're going to be looking at before you go look them in the face. Can you uh, rephrase your question just one more time so I'm making sure I'm answering this properly? Um, my original question was as far as mental health and diagnosis, diagnoses, what do you feel like is the things that we struggle with the most in relation to that? And that can be diagnosis-wise, that can just be the thought process around mental health, et cetera. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder. So a lot of us go through things, especially being young, um, and we don't know how to deal with them. We want to hide it from the world, so we suppress everything I know personally. Um, I watched my dad die, so he had multiple strokes, and it bothered me to the point I was helping taking care of him. I was 15 years old, and I had to help lift him up, take him to the bathroom, you know, do certain things that, as a kid, like, you're not supposed to do. Right. You know, so, with that being said, you know, I haven't necessarily worked out all of my issues either and, you know, the simple fact that I can't find a therapist, you know, that I can relate to or, you know, I don't have enough money at this current moment to go seek that help even though I want to. You know, my entire childhood, I've lost a lot of my memories. I can't really remember a lot of things, you know, and that is post-traumatic stress. Like, you, you have to be aware, like, okay, this is what happened to me. I suppressed it, you know, and now I have to figure out how to deal with it from here. But, you know, not letting it stop you from, you know, having the successes in your life, but just figuring out a way on how to deal with it. But, you know, just identifying what your problem is is probably like the toughest part, mm -hmm. but it has to be done. Right, self-awareness is key, and I'm glad you brought up PTSD because that's what I do a lot of with the kids that I work with. and like. Trauma will literally trick your body into like you can completely forget things that you know happen. Like you can forget every single detail, and that's your body's way of protecting itself. Or you can not even just trauma as a child. Like maybe three years ago, I hired a plane on five forty straight across the thing. I just knew I was gonna die. That's it. Like straight through, and I was like, all right, God, this is it. I just took my hands off the wheel. Me driving for a long time was a scary. I'm the person on the side of the road going 25 miles an hour, got my blinkers on. If you back your head, don't worry about me because I'm shaking in the car trying to drive, but I still have to drive. And that's what trauma does to you. And so being aware and acknowledging the fact that you went through something, it's okay to get through that thing, but now you have to address that thing because otherwise this is going to be you for the rest of your life. 
So um, I'm glad you asked that question because I never even thought of that question um, pertaining to our people. I too am a therapist, and I when I think about the different diagnoses that we see, I would say depression. And one of the reasons why I say that is because depression can be seen as anger turned to anger. And so we don't get an opportunity to be able to give give back what people throw on us and we suppress those things, we begin to um, experience the symptoms associated with depression, helplessness, hopelessness, lack of go back into the days of slavery and 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 you know seeing our brothers killed on the TV or right in front of us. I mean these are things that we suppress, and as a result of that, if we don't talk about those things, it's going to weigh us down and blind us. So I would say depression. Not even that, because just the nature of how we were brought here. We have been taught, and, and this is not to judge anyone, because parents raise us most times the ways that they were raised. And so things are passed on generation to generation. And so we've been taught to be strong for so long that we stay there. And you're like, well, I'm the oldest. No, you find a school. Shake off, you're having a bad day, it'll be all right, but no, like, I'm struggling right now, what am I supposed to do? And so having, I know for me, one thing I talk about the most is your tribe is the most important thing when it comes, for me, when it comes to mental health, you have to have people in your corner that are willing to say, okay, you're going through this, but what do you need? Okay, I see that this is a little different for you. You used to be like this, all of a sudden now you're this way, what's going on? Like, you need those people in your corner because if you stick to yourself and get in your head, which is the other thing I think we do with a lot, which is anxiety, it's over. Because your mind will wrap around it for me, even as a therapist, anxiety is a beast. Like, I can take one thought, and now I'm 17 years down the road with something that does not even exist. Like, how did you even get there? So where did that come from? Active imagination, this is what I mean by, like, your mind is so strong that if you don't become more aware of it, more aware of the things that you deal with, more open to recognizing that, all the time, things aren't going to be okay, and that's okay. You can still do something about it. Um, so that's one of the other things for me. I was actually going to touch on that as far as family and family history. I think it's hard and scary during the mental process. I've been through therapy myself, knowing you'll have to address your parents, your grandparents, your upbringing, and you may have to not only hold yourself accountable, but all of a sudden you have to hold your heroes accountable. And we're definitely a culture of what happens in the house stays in the house. What happens in the family stays in the family. All of a sudden, you're lifting up all the roads and you're like, look, you're too loud. No, you just break. Right. So I think that's, that's probably for me that was a big part of the process of I have to commit to whatever is coming out. You know, deal with it. It makes you it makes you a better person. It makes you a more hopeful person. Maybe um, I know Amanda's right here, but right here. Um, one thing I will say is that within our community, the problem is due diligence. We get a diagnosis and we stick with it and we think that's the last word. Um, that's also, I am an advocate for studying and studying to show yourself approved. So you have to, even if you get a diagnosis, and I'm saying this from experience. My daughter um, was diagnosed with oppositional defiance. And so what I did was I got enough research mode. Like, you're not going to just tell me my child has oppositional defiance without me understanding what it is. 
And after I went through the processes of reading and researching, I realized, yes, these are things that she identifies with, and it helped me as a parent be able to curtail that um, behavior. So a lot of times, the problem is we get this label, and the label is heavier than the solution. And we let it sit there, and we let it linger, and we tell people, oh, I have this, and I have this, and it starts to build bricks. And so the bricks weigh heavy on us, and we start to wear that label for the rest of our lives. And what we have to do is research. We have to figure out what they're saying. Does that directly identify with you? And this is why second opinion is so important. And not only that, prayer, okay? Fasting and prayer. I am a minister, so I have to say that. That's <laughs> prayer. <laughs>
don't make, don't belittle them or make them or brush them off or minimize like it's not a big deal because it may not be for you but for them it's a whole nother world. And so that would be my thing. And before T goes, I do, I'm gonna put her on the spot, but I know we already got lined up um, Saturday in March, and I know Precious, she'll she'll say it before it's the end, but Saturday in March, we are gonna hold a specific event, I'm gonna talk to you after, but a specific event solely based on that. I'm just gonna like help promote it, I'm not gonna be involved with it, I'm gonna let the, the people do what they do, but I definitely think it's a wider conversation to be had more specific, it won't be in this setting, but it'll be in a, a, a better setting, and uh, we'll talk about specifics of it, but uh, I definitely think it's necessary. You already do it, but I just want to help E.A. E. Glow and some others, because we have some talented therapists in the area, and people that are in this space, and I know she's doing some great things, I know some other people, uh, I know my, my godmom is doing some great things, and others, um, and I know me as a conduit, like I can put people together, I definitely want to shed some, some wider light on that. Not to say I need to, but it's like, yo, I think it's, it's personal. And um, I really feel it. So, T, I want us to close this out with, a, with just a, a, a something that the, the, the crowd can resonate with, but also, too, can talk to. If you have a question you want to ask. Yeah, um, so it's a very, very heavy topic to kind of follow up and try to say it, but I'm going to do my best to do that. So, oftentimes, we, when it comes to finance, in that finance space, I'll get a client there, when you close the door, you don't know where that conversation is going. Um, and I mean, it can go from everywhere, where from someone recently dealing with divorce, um, a, a loved one just maybe passed away, and now we're gonna handle their affairs from here on out. Um, it could be, I just got my first job, something super exciting to continue, so I feel like I have to almost play therapies uh, to this because they can be talking about uh, cheating on I mean, anything, like literally it can go anywhere. But what I want to also, I guess try to segue is um, oftentimes we forget that where our treasure is, our, our heart lies there also. And how often do we really look at our financial picture as far as what our where our dreams are aligned? A lot of people, um, when they're into making getting income, they'll think, "I just get more, get more. How can I make more? How can I make more?" Not realizing that money will never end. And if your goal is just to make money and make more and more and more, you're going to end up almost being depressed in a way because I've got clients that make 50000 a month and they're still not fulfilled. So you have to find what your purpose is for your budget. And that's one of the things that I do. I sit down um, in our one-on-one sessions and we look at, okay, what is your goals? Before we talk any numbers, what's your goals? Because we have to put some type of purpose in this plan. Um, there's several gurus and experts out there in finance because money, there's so many different ways to get where you want to go. But we have to divide, we have to create a plan that's going to be uh, specific to your goals so that you will, you will feel fulfilled once you, you start hitting these steps. You're like, oh yes, I, I knocked out this goal. I knocked out this step. And you'll see that list start to dwindle down and you'll feel that power come back towards you as far as on that financial piece. So um, I, I guess it doesn't have to be a question that the mic's passed around with. But I, I got it. But one thing I do want to add to ask that question because we just spoke on this hot, it's really trendy right now to talk about mental health, to be honest. It's really trendy, right? But it's not trendy to have these conversations about finances. Openly with our friends and openly, like, I'll be honest, I don't even go, I was, I went, for the longest, I wouldn't even go to the bank and like ask them. I didn't even like really going to the tell but I didn't tell them about it. So I'll be like, hey, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm casting texts, I'm like, oh, it's speaking to 
like, you sit there and you think about, like, hold up, deep dick, all right, boom, they call them. Get away from it, because then you're gonna go and they're gonna look, hey, Mr. Greg Hill, the ghost change agent. <laughs> See, digital? What is that working? You cash this check out, brother? You may want to put it back and you just really weird. I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, yo, but we have to, we have to, just like mental health, we have to have these kind of conversations with people we trust, with certified professionals in this finance. So, a question I can have, and we can end on this question is, what is the signal behind finances? And then for those that are in this space, yeah, what is the signal behind finance in this community? Are you already sure? Oh, I mean, I can go all day about this. I think that within the black community, we have to stop thinking that we can't talk about money with people who look like us, right? Like, with our peers, with everything. Like, I want all my friends to win, and I want to talk about how we get there, right? So I think that talking about budgets, I think talking about how you're saving in your 401k if you're a corporate person, and if you're not, then what are you doing for retirement? I think having those conversations openly is really important. I think from a legacy perspective, it's important to talk to your parents and your grandparents about what they're doing. They may say, to hell with you, I'm spending it all before I go, but at least have that conversation. It's important to talk about um, you know, credit card debt. It's important, it's important to talk about all these things because, y'all, the majority of people do it every day. So if we want a piece of what they have, we have to start having the same conversations. It's really important to save money. When you talk about there being a lot of resources online about all these different ways, talk to somebody. Whether you have one month in saving, or you have three months, or six months, do you have enough money to cover all your deductibles? Those are things that you should be talking about with your friend and take that into consideration when you're planning your turn up. Can I afford the energy, you know, these drinks tonight? Or should I be saving this money? But we don't talk about it enough, and it's so taboo. But you, about not wanting to be seen by the teller, that teller don't know you got all your money in that bank, or you picked your money at Wells Fargo, too. So don't you worry about what people think. I had to tell a little bit of my balance and say, oh, what kind of job you got, girl? You kind of got a lot of bills. Look at my business, right? <laughs> that I'm living on my means and I'm, and I'm living check to check, but I don't feel that way. But once you budget your life, 
And you know, you can't go and buy them shoes you want and stuff like that. It's, it's a fear. It's a fear of, I've done it a bunch of about six times and I keep stopping because I'm like, I want to buy those shoes because I don't know because I'm tired of being poor. Like, I don't want all my money to go to bills. But that's just maturing and becoming an adult. Um, one of the things that she was saying about, like, or she mentioned the word like budget, I think a lot of times, especially with our age group and in our community, we allow the word budget to tell us what we can't do rather than being something that we use to plan for what we want to do or what we can do in the future. And I'm like her, like, well, actually, this one right here, she has budgets for budgets for budgets. <laughs> She's, yeah. <laughs> She's like, and, I think that's something like that we have to do or that she's helping me do with when I have my budgets in the back of my head I'm always thinking, okay, yes I want these shoes, but I really want to go on that trip even more. <laughs> so maybe I can yeah, a balance. And I know you're saying like in life there's not always a balance, but there is in some things when it comes to budgeting and that's a really big one. Alright, cool. We got boom, boom, and then and then we'll, yeah, we'll, we got we got we got four, and then we'll wrap it we'll wrap it up for this one. So when we talk about um, the roadblocks as it relates to money, I want to touch on it from a little bit of a different angle, um, and this is a, is as it relates to money mindset. Um, so I know oftentimes in order to manifest whatever it is that you want in your life, you have to believe that you're worth it. And I think oftentimes we don't cast our net far enough, or we kind of operate from this lack perspective, especially as black people, because majority black people in this country are poor or have been poor or have experienced some sort of destitutedness or whatever. Um, and so oftentimes growing up in those situations and environments, you hold on, one, you hold on to a lot and, and then it creates like this fear around money. Like I know in my family, it was like, don't touch that, we can't afford that, or like different things like that. And I think that creates a whole mindset around um, what you may feel that you can have and what you feel that you're worth. And so I think it's important to really start expanding our mind around money, um, of course, strategically planning and budgeting. But even like, like one thing I've been um, saying myself lately is that, you know, I'm going to be a multi-million dollar owner, I mean business owner, and not for myself because I know that the vision that God gave me, I can't even accomplish it without that. Like it's, it's so big that I need multiple million dollars to be able to really serve at the level that my heart intention is. And so it's like um, creating, you know, everything, uh, I'll get into that anyways, I'm talking about mindset a little bit, so I ain't going to go too deep. Um, but yeah, I think money mindset is important and you have to really believe, to, to really like even um, create space and um, be able to see opportunities to, to, to get more money. You have to first create the space in your mind that you can actually have it or that you're even worth it, you know, so. Yeah, that's definitely the uh, big, big topic of money there. Um, people. Fear what they don't understand and hate what they can't conquer and sometimes they'll shelve it away for another day. Yeah. Hi. Um, I really believe that one of the issues, and this is kind of piggybacking on this and your comment about oh, why don't we share it with one another. I think for many people, trust is a big issue and trusting on who you can share your information with because sometimes in the moment when you're sharing, you all have the common goal of, okay, we're trying to uplift each other. 
but then you have those other moments where they can be mad at you about something else, or they'll go and share with someone else that you don't want them to share with, and so I think trust is a major issue, especially among our community. I think we see it played out on reality TV, all kinds of uh, <coughs> mediums. And like I said, they'll be around, and people that are talking, they're gonna be around some of them, because I know people out of time commitments, but they'll be around at the end when the music going, so um, feel free to keep that energy, keep those questions, um, et cetera. Yes? Um, I'll just quickly say that I um, agree with what you were saying, sorry about that. Precious. Precious. Um, I think that uh, there's a good amount of black people who are workers. When I say workers, like, I, like my parents were, were factory workers and they worked in Thomasville Furniture Factory and Smurfett Stone and, and they're used to that hourly pay and you had to work for what you wanted to get. Um, and so, you know, when I come home with ideas of passive income and investments and, and properties, it's like a foreign language almost. And um, so I think education um, is key and then using opportunities like this and opportunities like I have a financial advisor taking what I learned from them um, back home as well to educate my, my cousins that are younger and they're coming up um, and my, my parents as well and my grandparents, etc. Uh, that, that, that is really important, something I felt like I lacked and kind of starting all over again at 25 and how to be really responsible with my finances. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to close. I got you. <coughs> What I want to do right now, first and foremost, like this it's been a phenomenal night. I'm glad that we were able to kind of end on this piece. But the questions don't stop here. Um, there's a lot of, we didn't have time to really jam pack and flesh out the answers. But like I said, this is just the beginning. And let us, and hopefully some things and nuggets that were shared. One, follow up with these people, reach out and talk to them. Um, and I would definitely be sending out an email with contacts and some more context with it. Um, so first and foremost, I want to give them a round of applause. <laughs> information gonna be in the email and all that good stuff with books all that good stuff i appreciate support love y'all take pictures support team support anybody got the book love y'all appreciate y'all wow you made it this far two and a half hours of a podcast a legendary hundreds live episode i just want to say one i just want to say a couple quick thank yous man I never thought we would see a hundredth episode of this podcast. I never knew in 2014 when I started that we would see this far, that we would go on tour, that we would do any of this, man. And from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you. From the bottom of my heart, before I do anything else, man, y'all, y'all changed my life forever, forever, man. I said it at the beginning of the podcast. I want to say it again. Regardless if you donate, regardless if you share, regardless of all of that, man. Y'all mean a lot to me, man. Uh, y'all changed the world. Y'all empowered me to change the world. Y'all changed the world while y'all down. Y'all changed the world with this listen, man. So I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. And make sure you do your best to change the freaking culture. Good night.